Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ottersford District Council's Planning Committee. To those of you in the chamber and those of you listening on the web. Um, I'll start by running through how I intend to run today's committee. Um, before we begin, there's no expected fire drills, so if the alarm goes off, please leave by the main door and go down the stairs to the car park. The toilets are out of the main door to the right, and I will aim to have a short break around 3.30 if business looks like it will run on for a while after that. And looking at today's um, list, I think it very well will do. Um, can I ask you to turn off either your mobile phone or at least put them onto silent? Thank you. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the planning committee, council officers have prepared the reports on each of the planning applications we have today. Um, and I've either re recommended, recommended whether each particular application should be approved or refused. It is, however, for the planning committee sitting in front of us along, um, to assess the application and to make the final decision. Today we have uh, 16, applica 16 applications to consider. Um, so, therefore, for each planning application, I will ask the relevant officer to give a short presentation on the proposal, outlining the reasons for their recommendation. I will then invite those of you who have already registered to speak on a particular application to present your views for a maximum of four minutes. The applicant will then be given the opportunity to speak to their proposal and address any issues that have come up from, other, from the other speakers or from the officer's report. Once we've gone through this, I will then open up the discussions to the planning committee members to make their points on the matter, to ask relevant questions of the officers before asking them to make the, a decision on the application with a proposal to vote on whether the application should be approved, refused or deferred. I hope that's clear for everyone. Before we go on to the f to next all the items, are there any um, apologies for absence today? No. And, sorry, and thank you, and declarations of interest. <coughs> so starting with Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, member of the Saffron Walden Town Council, although I must stress we were not part of the deliberations as, as parish decisions here. Okay. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Yeah, a member of the Saffron Walden Town Council. Thank you. Uh, item number four, I'm a member of Takeley Parish Council. one else thank you <clears throat> moving on minutes of the last take to consider the minutes of the previous meeting are we all content councillor Stora. thank you chair a minor point but for the sake of accuracy at the foot of page seven of the minutes uh, the bottom line should read uh, that i left the chamber not left the committee to sit in the public gallery Thank you. With that correction, are we all content with that? Thank you. Can I show of hands for that? Thank you. Thank you. Right. Item three. 
Um, public speaking arrangements. Um, as you know, we changed the public speaking arrangements um, at the committee um, two, three months ago, um, looking at giving parish councils five minutes, no, yes, five minutes to speak, and public speakers four minutes to speak as well. I think you would agree with me that that's actually worked and has been successful. And what I'd like to do is get your um, show of hands today to take it forward to the GAP committee to be able to then bring it into the Constitution so we could have that as a permanent feature. Could I have a show of hands that would take that? Councillor Lachlan, are you happy with that? Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Would you like a formal proposal and seconder? Right. So I'll propose that. Could I have a seconder, please? Councillor Gerard. Thank you. And then, right. Would you like another show of hands to, for that? All right. Can we have another show of hands? Can we vote on that, please? Thank you. Thank you. That was unanimous then. Thank you. Mr. Brown. Yeah, just very briefly, um, that's, this is to, to not require the officers to do this individually as we go through the reports. Um, on Monday this week, we had uh, an announcement of our latest five-year land supply. Not making any issues of it. The, 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 the current housing land supply for, for Artlesford is 2.68, which is the, now the up-to-date version. That's our April report that was, it always is reported and ratified and don't usually done about now. So that has now been released. So you'll see a lot of the reports refer to a different land, land supply issue. So that is to avoid any challenges later on, just to clarify it. So that's magic pen for the whole reports that I've clarified at the very beginning. 2.68. Thank you very much, Mr. Brown. Moving on to item four. That is UTT 19-1583, full application land to the south of School Lane at Molehill Green, Takeley. And thank you, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Chair. Uh, this item was previously deferred from the last committee meeting. Takeley Parish Council have um, commented on this planning application. Indeed, they requested that the application be deferred from the last meeting. Their comment is set out in full at um, paragraph 8 of the uh, current committee report. They make a number of points. Um, I'm not going to refer to all of them since they are, all the points are set out in the current agenda report. However, they say that um, Takeley Parish Council respectfully requests that the outline permission is re-obtained. Well, quite simply, that, that is not possible. The system doesn't work like that. There is an outline planning permission for the site, which I will refer to. They say, um, they give their reasons for that. They, 
they say that um, this is a separate planning application to the outline planning application. Well, indeed it is, quite so, and has been assessed as a new application, but in the light of planning permission existing for the site, for the same number of dwellings. And I'll um, go into that a little bit later. They do point out that the significant difference between um, this and what was indicated on the outline planning application is that the current proposal is for eight three-bedroomed properties, whereas two-bedroom properties were previously proposed. They refer to this as the significant difference is that the outline design was for two-bedroomed houses rather than the currently proposed three-bedrooms, with the houses being less deep than that is now proposed. Again, quite true, but um, I will present a case that that really doesn't make any odds. Uh, they say the council is now under new administration, quite, quite so, and may make a decision in accordance with how it now deems um, is right for the process. Indeed, quite so. Uh, the second reason why they uh, Takeley Parish Council wished the application deferred was that... Um, the outline permission needs to be reapplied as there was, so they say, an inaccuracy in the former temporary case officer's report in 2018. Uh, the overlooked guidance is significant as treating the area's green belt, as per the recommendations of the adopted report, underpins the principle that development should not occur. Like to say on record, the site is not green belt. It is uh, the countryside protected zone, and it works in a very, very similar way. The idea is that in both the green belt to preserve the openness and in the countryside protection zone to avoid coalescence of buildings around the airport, that built forms are strictly limited. That is indeed the case. Um, but again, I, I fall back to saying that the principle of built form on this site has been established by the Outline Planning Permission. Um, and that they talk about the detail of the, the previous report. Well, um, it is simply water under the bridge. There is now outline planning permission. Uh, lastly, with regard to the letter from Takeley Parish Council, uh, they say in the third paragraph from the end, in the light of the key points and the site not being included as an update in the local plan, um, coupled with the fact the temporary case officer did not appear fully conversant to the unique status of the countryside protection zone. That, uh, well, the essence is what, of what they were saying is that they object. Um, I mean, as far as um, understanding that it was in the countryside protection zone, I would refer you to um, paragraph 11.1, where it starts out by confirming that. So, on to the detail of the, uh, of the proposal, because what we have now is a full planning application. 
I, I think Takeley um, didn't quite appreciate that you can either go from outline, reserved matters, and then you get full planning permission, or you can go straight in for full planning permission. In this instance, the applicant has gone straight in for full planning. Um, and here is, on the screen behind me, is what is proposed. Four pairs of semi-detached houses. You will see that um, the form proposed roughly matches what is on the opposite side of the road. There are detached dwellings to both sides, but they're of a, a similar height. To the west, there's a, um, what I would call a one-and-a-half-storey dwelling, and to the east is a bungalow. Um, I'll show you photos of that. But, um, of course, this, this item was the subject of the first councillor's site visit. This shows the um, broader context of the site. We've gone from one extreme to the other here, but uh, because the first plan didn't really show much of the surroundings, you'll see that Elsinham is within cycling distance to... Uh, the northwest, Takeley is off the map there, but a short distance, it, it's down to the south. What you will notice is that the airport is very close and um, therefore it's subject to airport noise on a detailed point, which I'll come to later. Here is the street scene. This uh, is considered by officers to be appropriate for its, its rural setting. Uh, the design attempts to reduce the height. I would draw your attention to the outline blacked out of um, Blossom Cottage to the right-hand side of the screen. You'll see that the heights match the, um, certainly the adjoining dwelling to the right and also to the left. The dormers are put down at eaves level. There's... Um, there's been an attempt to reduce... Well, the ridge height is as low as it can be. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Here is the site. Um, I think the important thing from this image is that you can see that the, uh, the property to the right-hand side is one and a half storey. You can see the first-floor dormers there. To the other side of the site, there's a bungalow, actually has a dormer in the roof. This is uh, a floor plan of the uh, proposed dwellings. They're all the same design. Um, internally, there's some mixture, as you will have seen from the street scene. The dwelling sizes all come up to standard. The ground floor is on the left-hand side there, um, parking provided to the side. First floor, three bedrooms, all arranged so there's no overlooking of each other. You'll see on this image that the, the parking is to the side, and by having double widths of uh, car parking spaces, that's provides some space between the built forms of the semi-detached pairs. 
which uh, officers consider particularly important in relation to the history of the site. You'll see that the, uh, the properties are well set back from School Lane. They follow a general building line formed by the existing um, properties to either side, which I, I think you can just make out. Um, this is actually a landscaping plan, um, but you'll see there's, there's plenty of room for front gardens and then uh, parking to the side. This uh, illustrates that um, although the, the, the parking arrangement is straight out onto school lane, there is room to manoeuvre. Essex County Council have been consulted and raised no objection. This indicates the scheme which was, um, was granted at outline, but you'll see from this it looks very similar to uh, the pr a previous slide showing the general form of the arrangement of the semi-detached houses. This was an outline, but you'll, you'll see from the plan here that the proposal was for four pairs of semi-detached houses with parking to the side to provide spacing between the houses. Um, in the current scheme, I, I believe the houses are set a little bit further back, but the main point I would make here is what was granted in the outline looks very similar to what is now proposed. This, however, is the scheme which was refused. A full planning application came in for um, uh, four pairs of two-bedroomed houses. This was refused because officers felt that the spacing was too dense. It, it, it looked too cramped. The parking was at the front. There was minimal spacing between built forms. So that looked too urban, too built up. Also, the parking right at the front, no front gardens to properly appreciate. Um, it wouldn't have looked good. This full application was refused. So this compares the, um, the refused scheme on the left of the slide with the, currently, the, uh, the current application is on the right. You'll see that there's, there's more spacing. Takeley Parish Council make the point that um, with the current scheme, the houses go a little bit further back. The current scheme is for three-bedroom properties. Therefore, the properties are a little bit bigger, and they've, they've done that by going a little bit deeper. Um, but the point I would make is that you can't see the rear corners of, or you wouldn't see the rear corners of the houses because they will be set back. Um, there wouldn't there'll be spacing between houses but not big enough to see the rear so the fact that the three bedroom properties now proposed are a little bit deeper I would argue makes no, practically no difference. Um, finally, uh, Chair, I, looking, at, um, looking at the conditions just before I conclude on a very detailed point there is a condition regarding noise insulation. I showed the slide about the proximity to the airport. Um, my apologies. With the gift of hindsight, it may have been better if 
condition number 13. Just had um, a little bit of tweaking. You'll, say, you'll see that um, uh, condition 13 on the agenda report refers to a scheme of noise mitigation and um, the current British standard is referred to there. It may be better if it said British standard as per the agenda or any other current superior standard existing at the time of construction. Um, small point, and uh, I, I apologise for that imperfection, Chairman. Really, the, uh, just to conclude, the, uh, the scheme is considered by is considered by officers to be acceptable because the history of the site has agreed built form in this controlled parking zone, uh, countryside protection zone, but outline has been given. That's water under the bridge. The design is now considered acceptable. The spacing takes into account the rural setting, adequate car parking, the street scene would look acceptable in its setting. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, we'll open up to speakers now. Um, we have, um, as you can, we have a great many speakers today, so I will ask speakers to um, keep to the times that you actually have. So thank you. We have, for this um, application, Joe Durso, Sarah Kirby, Catherine Dean, and David Hutley. So I would ask Joe Durso to come to speak first. Good afternoon. My name is Joe Durso of Soul Concepts, the agent. Um, a lot has already been said by Jonathan Doe, so I won't repeat some of the things that I've got here. Mr. Sorry, Mr. Durso, um, that's our error. Normally we ask the agent to come at the end. Okay. Um, so can I ask you to stop there? Sure. That's, your name was at the top of my list. Okay. So you go last. So you go last. <laughs> sorry. So David Hutley isn't the agent then, or our applicant? Oh, right, we've got... Right. Would you like to clarify that with Catherine as well? Um, Catherine, Catherine Dean. Um, yeah, you're right. Stansted, yeah. So, right, we've got some mix-ups here. Uh, is Sarah, Sarah Kirby, is that for this application? Would you like to come and speak? Thank you very much. <laughs> Good afternoon. Um, my name's Sarah Kirby. I actually live in the bungalow to the right of these plans. Um, I'm here today to represent the core members of the Molehill Green res Residence Group to express our support for Mr Emerson and his proposed plans for the school lane development. As a group, we've been working very hard this year to improve our area and make it a better place to live for all of our residents. You may already be familiar with the history of Molehill Green and how it sadly slipped into decline following Stansted Airport's second runway plans and the compulsory purchasing of properties there. 
Many of the older properties in our hamlet are in desperate need of refurbishment and renovation, some of which are currently rented out. Over the past couple of years, we have slowly but surely started to see people who are moving into the area on a more long-term basis and who are looking to settle here. Things are starting to turn around for the better and we are all deeply invested in the future of Molehill Green. When Mr Emerson submitted his plans for the school lane plot, we were pleased to see that some level of a small-scale regeneration was starting to happen in Molehill Green and that a formerly destroyed community would hold a much improved chance of rebuilding itself with the arrival of new people moving in on a more long-term basis. Whilst we would be opposed to any large-scale developments... We believe that a small number of new homes can have a low impact on a community and can often add benefits including an increased interest, the possibility of better facilities and infrastructure and increases in property value. As far as we are concerned, the damage to the wildlife and the nature of the plot was carried out long before Mr Emerson submitted his plans and by the former landowner. Therefore, in our eyes, the damage has already been done. If Mr Emerson is refused planning to develop this land, we would like to know how this plot will be returned to its former state and what initiative will be put in place to reintroduce the habitat that is now lost there. As the adjoining neighbours to School Lane, we would personally like to express our dissatisfaction with the delays in these plans going ahead. From our point of view, the people who live here, we would much rather see a row of brand new houses than an empty building site that has been left in limbo. Usually we would of course not be in support of any building within a protected zone and we ourselves are looking to preserve as much natural habitat and nature within our area as we can. We would always support the council's mission to protect our local area and appreciate the ongoing efforts to do this. In conclusion, we are in support of a small-scale new housing development which is in keeping with the existing properties in Molehill Green. We are overall pleased that Mr Emerson would like to invest in our area and help to boost our small hamlet by making it a more desirable place to live. On a side note, um, as a community we feel extremely let down and frustrated with the lack of support we have received from Takeley Parish Council. Despite our numerous and continual requests, they refuse to meet with us or assist us with our meaningful projects. In fact, they appear to be putting roadblocks in our way. We have a village hall that we are unable to use or have access to. The trustees of the village hall, some of who sit on Takeley Parish Council, again refuse to meet with us to discuss the future of the village hall. We were recently successful in receiving grants to enable us to obtain a defibrillator for our, com for our community, Yet Takeley Parish Council have informed us that we are not allowed to position this on the wall of the village hall, which is the most central and accessible location in Molehill Green. This will essentially prevent lives from being saved. We would like to see a children's play area return to the grounds of the village hall. If you didn't already know, we have two council-run children's homes in our tiny village, and these vulnerable children have nowhere to play other than the roads. Again, we have been told that we are unable to do anything within the grounds of the village hall and we even had refusal to allow our volunteer gardening team to tidy up the grounds which at present are not being maintained. Despite our serious efforts and showing our commitment in trying to set ourselves up as a CIO, we have been made to feel like we are simply not a priority compared to other areas in the district. We have been told off for referring to ourselves as a village... And despite the fantastic work we've been doing, we have received little to no interest, encouragement or praise by our par parish council. If anyone could point me in the direction of who we need to speak to at the end of this, that would be appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr Durso now, unless there's anybody from... No, we haven't missed anybody, right? OK, thank you. Mr Durso.
Thank you. Yes, my name is Joe Durso of Soul Concepts. We're the agent. Um, a lot of the things that I wanted to say has actually been said by Jonathan Doe, so I won't go over it again. What I would like to say that, uh, is that we've had extensive engagement with the planning uh, department and with Jonathan Doe. Uh, we try to deliver a proposal that meets all the planning policies and requirements and the, and the national planning policies. Uh, we feel that our new housing proposal delivers the range of houses that are affordable. Um, housing will be built to the higher quality standards and designed for whole life living and ensure that the distinctive character of the Attlesford towns and villages will be maintained and enhanced. Uh, the proposal, we feel, are supportive of the promotion of rural areas in Uttersford to provide a sustainable rural econ economy, while at the same time protecting the important countryside as assets, including landscape features and biodiversity, which is uh, set out by the uh, sustainability test of the uh, NPPF. Um, that's all I'd really like to say. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Dursel. Open it up to the committee now. Janice? Councillor Lachlan, sorry. Thank you. Well, I have grave concerns about this. I do believe we've made our policies, and even in the draft local plan that the inspector will be hopefully um, deciding on fairly soon, we are protecting our countryside protection zone. And there's a very good reason for that. It's so that the airport doesn't encroach on land around about the airport. Now, um, we have been told by the officer in the report that the development would obviously create a built form in an open area and would impact on the countryside. That is on page 13. Um, and in the in the 2005 local plan, it says, in the countryside protection zone, planning permission will only be granted uh, for development that is required to be there. Well, this isn't required to be there. And it says, or is appropriate to a rural area. And that is argued, we could argue that. There will be a strict control on new development. In particular, development will not be permitted if either of the following apply. And one of these, and I've had a bit of trouble finding it, it would adversely affect the open characteristic of the zone. And that's just one of the reasons. Um, and also, this applica an application before, which has been mentioned, was for eight houses. That was refused. And the reason for refusal was the development in the form proposed would lead to material harm to the openness and permanence of the countryside protection zone at this site location and additionally would lead to overdevelopment of the site due to the excessive scale of the dwellings uh, for this number eight, eight number three-bedroom houses. Well, we still have eight three-bedroom houses. They may have been jiggled around and the applicant has just said that he is ad adhering to policies. Well, no, he's not because he's not adhering to the countryside protection zone, which is one of our very strong policies. So I definitely will not be voting for this application. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, I haven't made up my mind about this one yet, but I would bring to the committee's attention, <coughs> excuse me, um, during the briefing this morning, if you go to page 17, uh, section 9, 
3.3, proposal site is located in areas subject to noticeable aircraft noise. We noticed that when we were on the site. Uh, <coughs> during our discussion, or noting this morning, I pointed out, and if you're mindful of, if this committee is mindful of granting consent for this, that the regulations for a mitigation of aircraft noise are changing all the time. A mitigation, I'm talking about it in the dwellings themselves, soundproofing in other words. And so I suggest that the condition be that the, the conditions imposed are those current at the time of build, because it can take a long time to get houses built, uh, and although obviously this site is already quite advanced, uh, sometimes they change hands, they change owners, uh, they come back with another planning application for a different design of house. Current at the time of build is important, Madam Chairman, and I think that could apply to energy standards as well. I know that's a building control thing, but actually they are being changed every year, every month. And they want to be current at the time they put together. They start building one house or one pair of houses and then take a couple of years to get to the, next, to the far end of that terrace. Then actually the one that's built at the far end should be constructed according to those current at the time rather than current when they started the first build. I would agree with you, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, fully support Councillor Lachlan's comments. Um, unfortunately, we've... We know the history where outline permission was given to a previous application for two-bedroom houses. Uh, we can't change that, but if that application had come to this committee, it might have struggled because SA, CPZ, is a key policy for Uttlesford. Uh, and if we start breaching that, then we open up to all sorts of things. So I think it's important to reiterate that CPZ is an important policy and we should not be breaching that. I can't speak for why it was allowed last time, but I certainly can't support this scheme. Uh, and I do find it distasteful, really. It's a bit like the Saffron Warden appeal that we looked at last time. Uh, developers seem to get permission for something and then change the design. So we had that on the Saffron Warden one where they came back with something different, and now we've got something again, which this was not what was outlined approved. So I can't support this one mainly because it's CPZ anyway, but I, I find it dis difficult to support uh, design changes after you've got approval for one design. Councillor Pavitt. So as I understand it, this already has consent for two-bedroom properties. They're now asking for three-bedroom properties, which necessarily requires what will inevitably mean more people living there. But there is a dis particular note that says this has no public transport. and There is not an appropriate bus stop. So we're increasing the number of people living in it, but we're not providing any public transport, which is a contradiction in terms of sustainability. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, there's an interesting contradiction. Um, I think what we've been told is that there is an extant outline permission which talks to, to two-bedroom houses. Um, but we've also been told that this is a new application, um, and the only thing we can take from the outline, the extant outline um, application is that it's got a built-in nature. In other words, that there is a persuasive indication that we can build in this space. It has, that, that question's already been cleared as far as CBZ is concerned. I think the other thing we have to look at, though, is whether this 
application differs to any material extent from one that was refused. And I think that's where I find a problem, because I sort of get what you say, that it's now been moved back from the, from the, from the road, it'll look better, there's more opportunity for cars and things, but those are the kind of questions that I would tend to ask in an urban setting, not in a CBZ. I think the, 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 the measure of the standard of proof, the standard to measure in terms of which this um, um, acquires those, um, um, that relevance should be greater in a CPZ. As we've heard, the CPZ is a sacred thing. It's an important policy. It's something we take very, very seriously. I'm sure we did even when we granted the previous outline application. So I must confess to being a bit ambivalent here. I would always fall on my sword in favor of the CPZ. I recognize that there's an extant outline permission. So I'm not questioning whether the built in, uh, um, status exists or not exists, but I'm saying does this qualify sufficiently to, to not detract from the character of the environment? And that's where I find a problem. So I'm still uh, open minded about this. Councillor Keaton. It's not working. Right, the third time lucky, I hope. Um, I hear what everybody's saying, but I think on this one I would urge some pragmatism. There is, there is an, ex, an existing outline application. It is a, 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 a community that is and, and is trying to regenerate uh, itself, and it does need some some help, but maybe new blood will will help the, the co committee. I'm not sure that the public transport is so um, key to this location because I think the, the seven service goes down by the pub and I don't know whether the six service actually goes through the Molehill Green itself. But there, there are bus services that um, serve this area. Um, I'm mindful also of what the um, planning officer said that we, at the beginning of the meeting that we are now down to 2.68 uh, years worth of ha housing supply in the district. You know, it, it, it does seem to me that we do need to take a little dose of practice, pra pragmatism on some of these applications. I hear what my colleagues say about CPZ, and it is unfortunate that the, the original outline application was agreed, but, but we have to accept that it has been agreed, and the principle of development of that site has been accepted by this committee. It might not have been not uh, our, our, ourselves, but it was the planning committee when it was uh, decided. And therefore, we have to be fair to the developers. We have given them an indication that development on this site is acceptable. We cannot keep on going around the houses. Uh, and it's basically, the argument is that it's three bedrooms instead of two bedrooms. Well, I understand that there is a, a, a need, an assessed need for both scales of houses in, the, in Uttlesford. 
uh, and therefore I have great difficulty in justifying uh, a vote against this application. Councillor Sutton. Hello. Um, I'm also um, really concerned about the CPZ because I feel that if we say, you know, when we're so flippant about it, then the next lot will come and we won't be able to even um, necessarily, you know, um, stop it because if we keep, you know, saying, yeah, oh, it's okay, we'll put it to one side, then it's just going to keep happening in these areas and they're there for a specific reason. But the only thing that I will say is, as far as Molehill Green's concerned, I think that that development is a good thing for the community. So that's the difference. So I think, you know, can we be sure that when things come forward, that we really take great strength from the CPZ, not feel that if we go for the fact that we're rejuvenating the community in that way, that we can just keep saying, oh, it doesn't matter about the CPZ, because that's there to protect the local people as much as anything else. Thank you, Councillor Thanks. Yes, the, I do agree with you on the CPZ issue, very much do, and also Councillor Lockler's issue. But we are in a position here where it's gone. On this particular site, the CPZ hasn't gone. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and Councillor Lockland will vouch for this because, you know, in terms of lots of the things that we, the CPZ was losing its value, but it's now been rejuvenated through the, through the local plan. And unfortunately, that was before this particular site went. So the issue is this should not be seen as a president, that suddenly you can start chipping away at the CPZ elsewhere. This is a unique situation that it has an application that has been approved, rightly or wrongly, but it was approved by planning committee in July last year for outline planning permission for, for development on this site. And we could be faced here with a reserve matters application for two bedroom dwellings, and, and the effect could be argued to be the same. Um, but the fact is, that's it. Um, this is very, it's quite refreshing that we also have a, a neighbour who's come speaking in favour of the application simply because I think Molehill Green, and you'll know more than anybody, is, is a very unique situation. And sustainability isn't just about buses. Buses are not the magic bullet that suddenly makes an application sustainable. The community element and, and the social element of the community uh, of the sustainability is also very important. And that's why, you, you, that's why you've got a recommendation of approval here. But we are somewhat curtailed, to be honest, despite all that romance, because we've already approved development on this particular site. But we don't want to throw away the whole of the CBZ by approving this. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, we could say that about our Greenbelt policy as well, couldn't we? You know, where does uh, rejuvenation start and overdevelopment end? I'm sorry, that just doesn't cut the mustard. I didn't vote for the last application and I'm not voting for this one. Councillor Bagnall and then Gerard. I just wanted to finish with saying that... Um, I understand what uh, Mr Brown's saying, um, but, but the fact is there is, there is a prior approval. Uh, and in terms of the neighbouring uh, regeneration, I think eight properties is what you will get in the prior approval. Uh, and I don't think there's any need to approve this one. So I, I move that we refuse this application uh, and leave it up to the applicant to look at the previous permissions they were given. Councillor Gerard. Again, Thank you, CPZ, Chair. SA. Thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, I find this is quite a difficult one for me. Um, I do appreciate what Mr. Brown has said, um, and I have certainly taken on board what the uh, speaker earlier said regarding the local residents. Um, it's unusual to find local residents speaking one way in contradiction with a parish council. I find that uh, quite surprising. 
Um, however, I, you know, this is one where I have to look at the balance, and I would actually say that on balance, you know, our policy, to quote Councillor um, Storer, our policy is where we actually have to um, focus, and this is in contradiction of policy. And even though I am, I am. Um, conscious of the fact that there is possibly mitigating factors here, I do believe that the contradiction with the CPZ and the overdevelopment factor and the fact that this is a different application to the one that was approved in outline, therefore, the therefore it is a reserve matter. The reserve matter is a different design. They are different. And I, therefore, on balance, have to err uh, in opposition to the application, I'm afraid. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you for letting me come back again, Madam Chairman. As I said before, I'm, I'm ambivalent on this, but we've discussed policy and we've discussed the very important issue of CPZ. And I think everyone who knows me here knows that I take it very, very seriously. It is truly sacred. But the one overriding fact, when we have to balance the two things we should take into consideration, is the neighbours themselves. Quite honestly, this is going to be the defining factor for me. I completely agree that the CPZ is sacrosanct and in all cases we should rule to protect it. But in this case, and it's quite unusual for me that we've got someone, a resident, we've got someone from next door that says, hold on a moment, chaps, this may be our last chance to get something going in this area. And I think that should be placed in the balance, and in my instinct, that changes things. So I'll be voting in favour of this, but obviously we've got a thing on the table right now, a motion on the table. Thank you, Chair. I heard my name mentioned, hopefully not in vain, but I feel I must respond to that. Yes, policy is the starting point, but don't let that lead you to believe that uh, we can turn it over willy-nilly, because we can't. There has to be very, very good reasons. But in this instance, the principle of the development of that site has been established by the outline permission. So, if we were minded to um, fight that principle now, we would have an uphill struggle, to say the very least. And on that basis, for me, um, I have no option, but that's not to say I'm not uh, in favour of it. I, like you, Councillor Gerard, was... Um, very interested to hear what the local residents had to say in favour of this application, and uh, I will be voting in favour of it. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Councillor Storer. Councillor Lemon. Yes, um, this is a, an application that is badly needed in our area. I think three, these three-bedroom homes are needed. Um, I appreciate the um, countryside protection zone, but I think the need for these houses at the present time, particularly in, in Mole Hill Green, um, uh, overrule that, and therefore I should be voting in favour of the permission. Councillor Keaton. Can I, can I um, actually propose a, approval of this application then? We have a proposal for, for refuse first, Councillor Catons. 
Councillor Bagman, you wanted to say something else. I just wanted to make the point that uh, I think we ought to bear in mind as well that uh, Mr Brown talked about the 2.68, I think, land supply. Um, if, at the moment, this site has eight properties, whether we approve or refuse this application, this site has eight properties regardless. So we still have eight properties for Molehill Green. Uh, I think it's important to, to look at the CPZ issue. I think uh, it's the thin end of a wedge. I think it slipped through last time. Um, I don't... I, I, we can't do anything about that. But the fact is, uh, this is supposedly a fresh application, so we should deal with it as a fresh application, and it goes against policy. So for that reason, I stick with the motion that I said earlier. Can I just clarify? Well, the application didn't slip through. It was considered a planning committee. So, you know, in this same forum, different people, some same people, but different people, but that, that went through, so it didn't slip through. And secondly, there is a way in which the fight for your answer play can go backwards, that you have, a, at the moment, this is counts as eight, but at the moment, if you, if you prevent that eight from being delivered, I mean, you know, maybe coming forward with a full application here is a way in which to get this delivered in terms of it, and so therefore this, this eight could fall away. No, you know, so, so therefore the, the five-year land supply can go back. The moment it is counted, I agree, and that by, by then this is the magic word, delivery. This is delivering those eight dwellings, and they're ticked, they're done, as opposed to just being planning permissions waiting to be delivered. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Councillor Pavitt. Uh, could the officer, or, or perhaps Mr Brown, just clarify why it's gone from two-bedroom to three-bedroom? Is there a greater need for three now than there is two? I mean, what, what's the reasoning other than more profit? Well, as far as I know, it, it, it was a market consideration. Um, that, that's the best I can say, I'm afraid. I, I think it's, it's somewhat immaterial. If someone wants to, the obviously, obviously in this particular scenario, the applicant had the choice of either putting the reserve matters in for two, for two bedroom dwellings or submitting a full application and reopening the debate because it is starting from scratch. Um, but it, it's usually the market talking in terms of delivering three bedroom dwellings is probably more likely to be delivered on this site than two bedroom dwellings. That's just me surmising on this particular issue, but that is, you know, it's not for us to, it's not like it's gone from a substantial two-bedroom, eight two-bedroom dwellings to two four-bedrooms or two five-bedroom dwellings. It's, it's, it's of the similar scale. It's just it's three bedrooms rather than two bedrooms, and we do need them. We do need them both. Councillor Freeman and then Gerard. Thank you, Madam Chairman, for letting me come back. I think there's a message here for developers in general. If you've got consent, go ahead, get ahead and build it. Don't bank the thing and then hope that you could actually maybe trade it or do something to convert it into something of higher value later. I know that's not a planning issue, but actually the whole reason for the way the planning system is set up is to encourage people to build houses. Consents are an irrelevance. You can't live under a consent. You need a roof over your head. And this vote could go either way. This could be turned down. That would be costly to whoever's put in the application. The thing is to build the houses once you've got the consent. Can we just have confirmation, Madam Chairman, that if this does go, if this application is successful, that the standards, <coughs> I think to be losing my voice, I apologise, are current at the time of build? Can the officers actually confirm that? Because we don't get to see this again after it's left this committee. At the opening 
when uh, Jonathan was doing his presentation, he mentioned condition 13 being changed. Um, I would change it slightly differently to what he said. He says, uh, provided in, 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 and it says British standards, blah, 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 because that's the current standards, or, um, or I don't want the word or, because that gives a choice. Um, or, so provided in British standards, I suppose all does work, you say, or where there is a superseded current legislation. I mean, that's how it would read. So actually, therefore, it does is the current situation or any other subsequent would... And the, but that needs to be done in such a way that it's not a choice. Can we, could we have the same with 9.3, as Councillor Freeman said, on the noticeable aircraft noise? I know it said it was addressed in, by the condition on the outline planning permission. I think 9.3. Yeah, page, th page 17, 9.3. Well, 9.3 is the views of, is the comments from the Environmental House, so I don't think we can actually change what they've said. But I think what you've picked up is it's, that's the planner's role, and that's our role. The Environmental House have given you the advice based upon the current standards. Yeah. But as planners, we want to put in an ever condition to actually future-proof it for any yeah. future standards. Exactly. It falls to us to future-proof things. It doesn't yeah. matter what Environmental House do or don't say. Yeah, that's, what, and that's our role, not Environmental yeah. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, what Councillor Freeman started off saying is absolutely right. I mean, you know, we, as a local authority, we've had a lot of um, situations recently where our authority in the past, our authority as a planning authority, has been put into question by developers repeatedly not developing what has been approved, but by constantly pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope and seeing how far we will bend and I'm sorry that I, you know, I am very much you know, in favour of residents' rights and in favour of fulfilling what residents want. And I, I, it is, I have a heavy heart uh, making this argument. But wearing the hat as representative of the planning authority, I don't believe that it's right that we constantly bend the envelope of what it is we're here to protect. And fundamentally, the issue here is that we're not looking at something that is, was given outline application and we're now dealing with the reserve matters of the detail. By the way, I must apologise that, in my opinion, the detail that we're looking at is not great, but nevertheless. Um, so I will be seconding the motion of Councillor Bagnall's motion to refuse. And as I said, it's with a heavy heart, but on balance, I believe that we have our duty to do as a planning authority, and I think that this is pushing it too far. Well, before we, we also ask to establish what the recommended refusal reason is, but before we do that, I think we need to do this a lot more colder and a lot more pragmatic. This is a particular site whereby outline permission was achieved by the then <coughs> landowner. The landowner then has then, so the current applicant has picked it up with the aim to build the houses. That's not playing around with any rules, and that happens with a, quite a lot of developments where outline plan permission is achieved and a developer picks the site up and wants to develop the site. And picking up Councillor Freeman's point, that is quite often what happens where you have an outline plan of permission 
and it's not sold, it's kept as land value. This guy wants to build it. Unfortunately, it looks like on site he may have slightly jumped by having stuff on site. But I think you can, but, but you can see, I'm not going to, he hasn't actually done anything fundamentally wrong by doing that. But the fact is, he's ready to go. He's ready to build houses. And picking up Councillor Freeman's point, if this application is approved, the houses will be built. This is not playing around with a development. This is picking up a site which had outline planning permission by a landowner and now a developer's making it real. He's not playing around with the rules. He's got planning permission. He's picked up an outline planning permission for two bedroom houses and he wants to put three bedroom houses in. And that's developing a site. That's called reality. It's not playing around with the rules. And so I don't want to make it look like this is, uh, that this is playing around with anything. This is literally the next stage once outline planning permission has been granted and a developer picks it up. And I don't think we need to say anything more about this because this is. <laughs> Councillor Can I? Yes, please. You're coming at it from the perspective of a planning officer. We're coming at it from councillors who represent the areas in which we live. And on this committee, we represent the whole area in which we live. And that area on this occasion is Takeley, Molehill Green. There is, appears to be a difference in opinion in terms of the locality, in terms of who you represented. Okay. But the, quite clearly, we have a view from a local resident there. I think, but pick back to Councillor Bagnall, what, what is the reasons for refusal you, you, you're going to suggest? Well, I think it's very clear that S8 is the key policy. It's in the CPZ. So that is the key policy. Mm. We should not be breaking that policy. Uh, I don't need to make yeah. it any clearer. But to advise members that we have outline planning permission sorry, for the CPZ. But, uh, sorry, I think we need to be clear here. This is a fresh application. It's not, a, it's not an extension of the previous one. So... Yes, it is a full application where the principle is needs to be considered as well. But the fact is, it has outlined plan permission. Simple as that. It has outlined plan permission. No, this permission. one doesn't. This, no, site, this, this site, site point of order, has out Chairman. Sorry, this site. Has, this application has outlined plan permission for, on the, for a con in, within the countryside perception zone. And if you're refusing it on those balance, you need to have pay that into account. Whatever you do today, it has outlined plan permission on this site. There is other, you know, so, so that's all I'm advising you if you're just coming at it from just from the CPZ viewpoint. Yeah, and I think also you, you, you were very strong on the point that the developer's ready to go. The developer could have been ready to go and started building two-bedroom houses already. So if the developer was ready to go and wanted to build houses, he could have got on with it because the permission was already there. He Can would have had to get... Right, Reserve I think this is, this is not an argument we need to get into just now. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to labour the point, and I have obviously full respect for, for Mr Brown, but this is different to the principle of development that was granted outline planning. It is not. We're not here looking at... A, 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 the same application in full we're looking at a different application and I'm sorry on a point of, of fact this is not the same application Councillor Pavitt Thank you Chair I promise this is the last time I'll comment um, I would just like to say I think what's happened here this afternoon is a very useful exercise it's a very good considered debate on the benefits or you know, otherwise of this particular application um, and it's, you know, it's interesting to listen to Mr. Brown and to the officers. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I go with Councillor Kate, and I think we just have to be pragmatic. 
Um, it's, if it's going to be eight two-bedroom houses here, we're going to have to go back through the loop again of, of consent you know, of, of this application, um, which will then be consented. Um, so we, let's get on and just get them built. So I'll be voting in favour of this. Councillor Count, very last one. I'm taking it to vote. I will be supporting the application. Thank you very much. But we take the, we take the um, Councillor Bagnall's vote um, proposal first. Therefore, Councillor Bagnall um, proposed and Councillor Gerard seconded um, to, to refuse this application. Therefore, all those in favour to refuse? One. Two, three, four. All those against? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Thank you. Can I take, can I take another proposal? Yeah, I would like to propose that we accept this recommendation. Councillor... Councillor Pavitt, you'd like to second. Therefore, we have a proposed to approve this application, proposed by Councillor Lemon and seconded by Councillor Pavitt. Can I take um, all those in favour of this approval? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Do I need to do that? Yes. Oh, yeah. One, two, three. Yes, carried. Do we have any abstentions then? Yes, one. One. Well, it's carried. Application is approved. Moving on to item 5, UTT 19, 1725, full application land at Acrecroft, High Street, Great Chesterford. Robert, thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, the application has been deferred from the previous uh, meeting um, after a request for a site visit, which has now taken place. The application site is to the rear of a dwelling in Great Chesterford, to the rear of the site is a new residential development of 31 dwellings at Thorpley. Two large houses have been built to the south, West Ashby House and Webb House, which you can see on the top of the plan. Um, to the other side of the site is the Plough Public House and its car park to the rear of it. The site would be subdivided from the present rear garden of Acre Croft. Previous planning consents in 2015 and 2016, although time-lapsed, 
have accepted that the site would be suitable for the erection of three large detached dwellings. A recent application to renew the original approval was refused as it failed to address the housing mix requirements of policy H6 required for sites of three dwellings or more. This requires a proportion of smaller houses which is identified in the preamble as two to three bedroomed houses. Access will be formed between the existing dwelling and the access to the car park to the rear of the Plough Public House. The driveway would be approximately five metres in width, narrowing to four metres at a pinch point to the side of the dwelling before widening into the main part of the site. An existing side element to the house and a rear conservatory would be removed to facilitate this access. Each dwelling would be provided with a detached double garage and a parking area. The Highways Authority have no objection to the size of the access or the arrangements for the parking provision. The dwelling on Plot 1 would be a three-bedroom dwelling, albeit still of a large size. The dwellings on Plots 2 and 3 are identical to that previously approved, and at circa 450 square metres compare favourably with adjacent new development to the southwest. It is considered that the proposed dwellings are sufficient separation from other dwellings such that there would not be a significant adverse effect on the immunity of neighbouring residents with respect to overshadowing privacy or overbearing impact. The provision of a dwelling with three bedrooms on plot one, albeit still of a significant floor space, ensures that the development reasonably complies with policy H10 housing mix, the sole reason for the refusal of the previous application. Given this revision, the previous approval for greater built form on the site and the importance of consistency in decision making, the application is recommended for approval. Thank you, Mr. We have two speakers for this Councillor Gregory and Nick Taylor. Councillor Gregory. Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon. Um, and thank you indeed to the committee for the site visit this morning. I was struck by the remarks of both councillors Freeman and Gerard about how people applying for planning permission should then build it. This has been in planning permission in one shape, form or another since 2014. I dread to think of the amount of time that has been wasted in this committee and in the parish council in considering tweaks and enhancements to this particular proposal. Since 2014, Great Chesterford Parish Council has been vehemently opposed to this application. And um, I have to say, I call on our two Green councillors. I'm sure they question the sustainability of eight-bedroom houses and whether they really do meet the housing needs of um, the village. This is overbearing. It's overdevelopment. It's overlooking. The access is remarkably narrow, sufficient to give cause for concern in respect of the emergency vehicles. Two eight-bedroom houses, one two-bedroom house, possibly 18 vehicles coming out onto um, a not particularly well-sited and surprisingly busy road. Uh, this is backland development. I, I could go on and on at the difficulties with that. If you are minded 
to approve this. Can I ask for the strongest and most robust construction management plan to be agreed by officers, please? And can I, on behalf of Great Chesterford Parish Council, ask in this exceptional case, given the sheer scale of these properties and the burdens they'll put on village facilities, ask for a Section 106 contribution towards recreation and community facilities, please? Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Councillor Gregory. Mr Taylor? Uh, good afternoon. Our property uh, is Ashby House uh, and it borders the site. We're objecting to this application for reasons um, already submitted. Uh, the planning officer has not addressed our objections fairly and has sought to provide a biased opinion weighted towards the applicant within factual statements. It's prudent to correct some of these false statements ahead of any decision today. The development of four houses in Rose Lane on a square two-acre plot is being used as a precedent for this application. Reference has been made regards the size of our property with misleading wording disguising the enormous scale of the proposed dwellings. Ashby House and Webb House are five-bedroom properties completed in June 2016. The planning office has mis misused information available on Ashby House and states cannot be disputed when referring to our home as over 5,000 square meters, 500 square meters of living accommodation. Garage space cannot be deemed as living space. To be correct, Ashby is 453 square meters. This application seeks to approve two eight-bedroom properties, including seven ensuite bedrooms and a family bathroom over three floors, each of 466 square metres, and a three-bedroom property that actually doesn't show size and scale. Are eight-bedroom properties needed in the current market? Outline planning in 2014 was approved with conditions stating that square metres should not exceed 1,000, yet proposed dwelling was submitted in as 466 square metres, exceeding the condition by 398 square metres. How was a condition overlooked and ignored when approving a now-expired application in 2016? At the committee meeting in September, the planning officer stated that proposed dwellings are not overbearing and adjacent properties, and in later correspondence, the dwellings on plot two and three of previous that have previously been approved in identical form, which is a material consideration, and the principle of consistency is important for securing public confidence. On that basis, both our properties and 31 homes at Thorpe Lee, adjacent to this subject site, were not in existence. So the fact now, are they not a material consideration? The rear of plot two will face Ashby House, allowing second floor windows to look directly into principal bedrooms, principal ground floor living areas and private garden of Ashby House. The applicant has failed to consider repositioning or providing obscured glazing for plot two, as they have with plot one and three. Ashby House does not have windows at second floor level that face the proposed site. The applicant claims there are no trees on the site. Today on your site visit, you will have seen many deciduous trees present on all borders. These trees are vital for seasonal privacy screening and are a home to abundance of wildlife. Removal and even reduction of any tree on our borders to assist development will inevitably expose our property, creating total loss of privacy, overlooking 
and overbearance that did not previously exist. Both the applicant and planning officer have quoted various plot sizes from just over an acre to just under an acre, casting doubt whether the site is truly big enough for three large dwellings, gardens, a roadway, parking and separate garaging. The planning officer stated that proposed garages would be shorter than required by the council's minimum standards, already indicates inadequate space. Today you will have seen the exposed new entrance from High Street and immediately next to the entrance exit of the Plough Public House Highway. Restrictions from Walden Road prevent vehicles in excess of 7.5 tonne. Unrestricted parking on this section of High Street creates a chicane effect at various times from parked cars of neighbouring properties and an overspill from the plough as they now hold regular daily functions. Development of land to the rear of Atercroft will damage and destroy parts of the highway resurfaced this summer as turning manoeuvres by construction vehicles will be impossible due to the width of the high street. We respectfully ask that the committee refuse this application on grounds of loss of privacy, overlooking of neighbouring properties, overbearing nature and design and scale with a restricted unsuitable access. Thank you. Thank you Madam Chairman. Just to say that I think it's inappropriate that a public speaker should um, indicate that an officer is making false comments within his report and also is biased, so I don't think that's appropriate and I will defend my officer on that point. Thank you, Mr Brown. Um, I'll open it up to the committee. Councillor Bagnall. Could Mr Brown clarify, so are the facts as stated in the report or are they as stated by the public speaker? All I'm saying, you can ask questions of the officer and, you know, if, if there's any issues, but I, I'm just saying that a public speaker cannot say someone, and one of my officers, is biased and is no, making that, deliberate I, false I, comments. That's I get the issue. That. I understand that. That's all I was saying. So it doesn't, you know, if you want to ask particular detailed questions of the officer, you can do that. Can I ask a question then? Are, are the numbers as in the report? Or are they as quoted? Um, Ashby House has got six um, habitable rooms at first and second floor level. Webb House has got seven habitable rooms at first and second floor level. This property being proposed here has got eight habitable rooms at first and second floor level. Um, it is true that the houses of Webb House and Ashby House are identified in the planning application as having five bedrooms, but that because that is because they've got additional rooms which could be used for any purpose, including bathroom, including bedrooms, living spaces, etc. For example, on the second floor of Webb House, there's one bedroom with an ensuite bathroom. There's also another room identified as a home office with an, with an adjacent bathroom, which could obviously be used as a bedroom, but it's not counted in the bedroom figures if that's necessary. If you get my point. I, th I think I'm probably asking about the square meterage question. Right. In terms of square metres, this morning I measured the properties on plots two and three to be about 450 square metres. I then proceeded to measure Webb House, and by the time I measured the ground and first floor, that came to 450 square metres approximately. So I didn't bother measuring the final floor, third floor, because it's obviously going to be a bigger property. Okay. So I'm not quite sure where that leads me. Does that, does that make the public speaker correct or...? Incorrect. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Chair. Um, I have declared the fact that I'm a resident of Great Chesterford, 
So I have, in a sense, a personal knowledge and interest in this. Um, what Councillor Bagnall may not have seen, um, and perhaps the officer could comment on, was a response to um, Mr. Davis's letter of the 10th of October, I think it was, was from um, this gentleman who spoke today, which went through uh, Mr. Davis's letter in detail. In fact, it's addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Dolan. Um, you, you obviously saw that his response to you, which inset um, various responses Sorry. to the comments you'd made. Uh, are, are we now agreed who's right about what? I was sent an email a week or so ago with several issues um, saying that I was making inaccuracies in the last planning committee when I spoke. So I responded to those in an email a few days ago and the uh, person I responded to has sent an email back to me. There are disagreements between us. Okay, so there are still points outstanding to be agreed or disagreed. It's just that I consider the approach taken by the person who's complaining about it is different to what I consider to be reasonable. Okay, it's, it's a pity that this wasn't circulated to all the members, actually. However, I mean, from a personal point of view, I, this is just massive backfill development. It, it's not... Well, I have to say that there, there have been a couple of um, precedents set in Great Chesterford recently of precisely this sort of scale of building, um, which don't work in the middle of the village, and you have to wonder whether, re whether we really need eight-bedroom palaces, mansions, or whether it would be more appropriate that uh, the land is used for something else. Um, I I'm torn on this. I I'm finding it difficult to find planning reasons to refuse it. I can see emotional reasons to refuse it. Um, it the scale, to my mind, is overbearing in, in terms of its particular location and the way it's infilling some quite valuable separation land between what's now been built in Rose Lane and Thorpe Lee and the remainder of the village. It's, we're just going to have a solid block of roofs now from Thorpe Lee all the way through to the High Street. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, Mr. Davis, I wonder if we could put up the map showing the uh, site with the proposed two houses on it. Uh, it's, it's hard to see. Okay, right. So we're looking at three. There's the three houses there, I see. And then adjacent up the top, you have Webb House and you have Ashby House. That's correct, isn't it? So... You see, from my point of view, what I see, if I was to superimpose Webb House and Ashby House onto the area in red, I would struggle to find space for that third house. Um, what I'm looking at is one house too many. Uh, I don't have any problems with, with, the, with having two houses on this, on this tennis court site. Um, my father used to have a very big house with a tennis court, and, he, and it was wonderful, and he built a house on it, and it was wonderful, one house. But to put three houses on here, in my opinion, is one too many, and that's just where I'm coming from at the moment. Um, so I'm looking at this as an overdevelopment of a very large piece of land. Um, uh, I'd be interested in see what other members had to say, but that's where I am at the moment. Councillor Freeman and then Fairhurst. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, 
The best part of the site visit today was actually going to Thorpe Lee next door because it actually looks quite nice. And I remember us consenting that. It's turned out much better than I'd feared, so that's good. Um, this one, this application, gives one all sorts of issues. Um, and the main issue for me is that on this diagram, on this plan at the top right-hand corner, there's a blue rectangle, which is an existing property. A small section of that is going to be demolished to give a four-metre, I think, width through the sort of exit onto the road at the top right. Um, actually, I tend to think through nightmare scenarios. If that was inaccessible because that house was on fire, what would happen to the three houses behind it as far as emergency services? Not a planning issue, of course. I shouldn't be thinking this. I'm thinking dark thoughts. But, uh, you know, sometimes dark thoughts are useful things to think. Uh, it is a classic example of overdevelopment. I think two houses would be a lot better than three. Um, it's a bit like... I hadn't realised that Great Chesterford is actually obviously the Belgravia of Uttlesford. You know? The size of these palaces that people put in very secluded spots. They hide them behind trees and things. We've seen a few of these on this committee, but there seems to be an endless supply of them, and these are two, plus the maid's house, really, which I suppose is the third one down the bottom. Uh, it's only a three-bedroom. But the need... Uh, what, what offends me about this, apart from the safety of the site, and it just isn't safe, that does offend me, and it should offend all of us, what offends me about this is that if you took that rather beautiful field, and I didn't know that spaces like that existed in the centre of villages, you know, really. Um, had a tennis court tucked away down one end, but even that didn't take up much room. Most of it was green sward. Uh, what offends me about it is you could put 20 dwellings on there, you could house 20 families right in the middle of the village, just like that. Oh dear, no, we've got to have a couple of very big houses, or three. Uh, and... So I, I find it very hard to support this, regardless of what the planning rules are. There's a moral aspect to this as well, and it doesn't tick that box as far as I'm concerned. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Adam Chairman. I think uh, to follow that is a hard act to follow. Um, but uh, yes, indeed, I think that the big issue here is context, because um, whilst it may be about Belgravia, um, we have to put our Belgravia hats on to consider whether this, in fact, is appropriate and, of course, whether it's sustainable. Um, and I would suggest that even with my new, brand new Belgravia hat on, um, there are a lot of houses for a small piece of space. Um, I would definitely feel there's a question mark about the housing mix. That's not to say it shouldn't be two eight bedrooms and a three bedroom, but for goodness sake, um, maybe six or five or something, but this just seems a bit excessive. Um, I have a problem also with backland development, because it certainly is. When you look at that sort of access point, um, the mention, mention was made of 18 vehicles. I can just imagine 18 vehicles in keystop, keystone cops outfits screaming down that road with the fires on fire. That would worry me as well. And, um, and these two big issues for me, in addition to the overbearing, so I would propose, unfortunately, refusing this application. Councillor Stora. Thank you, Chair. Given what we've heard at the beginning of the meeting, um, as expressed by uh, Mr. Brown, in that we are, have now even uh, a less of a housing land supply than we did before, surely there is a need for as many houses within reason as we can possibly acquire. So this, subject to the width of the, of the access, which I appreciate may well be a concern in this instance, uh, the question for the officers through you, Chair, if I may, is there any scope for um, 
relying on that situation or leaning on it heavily and whatever guidance is available in the framework, which I've just been scrolling through now, trying to find some justification to merit an increase in the number of dwellings on that particular site. Thank you. Mr Brown. There is a, obviously, this is an emerging policy that we've got coming through in terms of the, the best use, efficient use, and minimum densities, which the moment that comes, the better, because I think those will be more efficient. Obviously, that is magic pen throughout the MPPF in terms of uh, best use of, you know, maximum use of land. Um, the good old 2005 local plan also has something about it as well, to be honest, in terms of the backland development policy says um, there is... It does go against some of the stuff that Councillor Gerard was saying in terms of um, overdevelopment, but I think you're talking about the size of the dwellings, you know, in your view was the view. But I think policy H4A, I've never ever used this bit before, to be honest. So it's new. it says there is significant underuse of land and development will make more effective use of it on the land behind it. Now, by doing that, now, so obviously that can open up a can of worms. You know, so suddenly, you know, so if you, you know, if you generally feel that, that development, that site could take houses, and therefore you, you've, you've moved on beyond the other points where backland development can cause a problem, um, then you could be invited more houses on that particular site. But by doing that, you'd be rejecting three in the meantime. So that's all I'm saying. But policy H4 could do something there. But as I say, I never use that inefficient use of the backland site. But, but then, again, we're in Chesterford, and usually a backland site is never usually as... It's usually quite tight when you get around the back, but in this one here. Obviously, that does have... An, how it's developed, obviously, we would need to be careful. But that's not what's in front of us. What we're in front of us is now is, is three large dwellings. It's just one of them is, is not as large as the other two, to be honest, in terms of the three-bedroom dwelling. We're getting preoccupied too much on bedrooms, and that's where some of the early discussion was. But, um, if you, but then, uh, basically, the bottom line is it comes back down to um, inappropriate backland development. So I'm not inviting you to do that. I'm just saying that uh, picking up your, your councillor Stora's question, uh, um, that's the only way I can see it is in H4. Any other comments, or should we take it to a vote? Yeah, I've just really got one comment, and it's probably already been said. And um, I'm not quoting anybody in particular, but I do think this is an unsuitable um, application, on, particularly on the size of the houses. Um, previously, on, our, on the last application, I spoke, saying we need, we, what we need is houses for the many, and not houses for the few. Thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, I would just like to um, second the motion to refuse um, and quote policy H4A. NHH 10, please. Yeah, I think mixing those, uh, excuse the pun, mixing that up. Sorry, H10, H4 and access. Right, we have a proposal proposed by Councillor Fair, Fairhurst, brain went there, and seconded by Councillor Gerard. Therefore, I take the vote for um, refusing this proposal, this application. Can I take a vote? All those in favour of refusing? 
10. Unanimous. Therefore, this application is refused. Thank you. Moving on, UTT 182820, full application, land at Thaxted Road, Saffron Walden. And it's... <laughs> Sit back and join yourself. Yeah? That's Robert. Mr. Davis again, thank you. Uh, this application has been made by Uttersford um, Council and is for development of 14 affordable housing units on Thaxted Road between a byway with existing residential development off it and the Aldi supermarket on the granite site now known as Knight Retail Park. Plots 1 and 2 would be, plots 1 to 4 would be three bedroomed houses. A block of six apartments looking out over Thaxted Road would provide three one-bed and, two, and three two-bed flats. The block backing onto Aldi would provide four one-bed flats. Access is by road through the retail park. A pedestrian and cycle access to Tiptoff Lane would also be provided, reducing the walking distance into Saffron Walden. Plots one and two are both three-bedroom dwellings located close to the site entrance. Plot 1 provides a wide frontage to follow the access road and Plot 2 is rotated to form a corner turn. These plots hold an elevated position with gardens towards the byway to the rear. Plots 3 and 4 are both semi-detached dwellings in the western corner of the site, overlooking Thaxted Road at the back. Parking would be provided across the drive in an open-fronted garage adjacent to the rear garden of Plot 2. This garage would also perform a retaining structural use as the ground levels change, with this extending into a retaining wall and steps leading down to the byway. Gardens would be provided to the rear in a southerly position and raised above the highway with an intervening landscape bank providing usable with an intervening landscaping bank providing a degree of separation between the road and the gardens. Plots 5 to 10 are a mix of one and two bedroom flats in a two and a half storey building broadly parallel with Thaxted Road. The building features a variety of architectural features to provide a contrast to the block building of the adjacent supermarket. The building has glazed balconies um, affording far reaching southerly views across open farmland, a combination of brickwork and weatherboarded finish the walls and projecting gables with pitched roof dormers to the uppermost floors. Each flat would be provided with a private balcony or terrace in addition to the use of communal garden areas. Acoustic screening would be provided to mitigate against traffic noise from the Thaxted Road. Plots 11 to 14 are one-bedroom flats, also in a two-and-a-half-storey block, with a lower floor providing an undercroft parking area, cycle storage area and a bin storage area. This building runs parallel to the back of the supermarket, uh, masking its blank elevation and providing a buttress to the bank between the two buildings. Each flat would be provided again with a private balcony within the side gable ends as well as access to communal gardens. The roofscape also benefits from the introduction of inserted gables to the long elevation to add both visual interest and break up the building mass. 
The development would be in accordance with the vehicle parking standards. The houses would be provided with sheds to accommodate bicycle storage. The flats would share an enclosed um, cycle facility. A condition requiring electric charging points for each garage and one or more parking spaces serving each dwelling has also been recommended. The proposal is considered to be a well-designed scheme providing a good quality living environment. Historically, the land was used for chalk extraction and subsequently for landfill for a period from the 1960s onwards. A site investigation has established that there are contaminants on the site, so clean soil cover would be provided to garden areas underlaid by a geotextile membrane. The built development would provide a cap to the remainder of the site. A sustainable drainage system would control surface water runoff into the adjacent receptor, which is a brook by Thaxford Road. A condition incorporated biodiversity enhancements is recommended. So in conclusion, the proposal is considered to be sustainable development in accordance with local and national planning policy and would provide 14 affordable housing units to the benefit of the community. Approval is therefore recommended subject to the list of conditions. However, the requirement for an S106 agreement as on the um, document can be disregarded as the applicant is the council. Thank you. Councillor Lees. Good afternoon, Madam Chairman. <clears throat> Thank you for allowing me to speak. Uh, I'd just like to say, as portfolio holder for housing, I am absolutely delighted to endorse this proposal. This is an opportunity for the council to develop new, high-quality council-owned renting stock, which is going to meet the housing need. The council, as you know, has the ability through borrowing and the use of right-to-buy receipts to develop its own housing stock, and it is hoped that this is one of many sites, actually, that will come forward. In spite of record numbers of new affordable housing coming through last year, the numbers on our housing list, as you know, remain the same. This demonstrates that there is still a demand for new affordable housing across this district. Our ambition is, of course, is that much of this will be council-owned. However, if the application wasn't appropriate, we wouldn't be able to endorse it, despite the fact that we need the housing. If approved, this application will bring back into use this piece of council-owned brownfield land that has been vacant for many years. And this is a really good example of this council making best use of its assets. Um, I'm going to not use my five minutes because the housing team have got much more specific things to carry on. So thank you very much. So Judith Sneers. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, the site on Thaxted Road is currently owned by the Council's General Fund and has been since 1974. It was previously used for waste management functions. This activity ceased many years ago and the land is not currently in active use. Recently, the Council has been exploring its use for housing under various housing tenures in the context of both meeting housing needs and potential revenue generation. What is clear is that the Council no longer needs the site for its original waste management purpose. The Council is now proposing to fund from the housing revenue account, through a mixture of right-to-buy receipts and borrowing, the costs of appropriation of this site from the General Fund and the subsequent development costs. 
This will provide the housing department with the opportunity to build council-owned affordable housing on this currently redundant site. The planning application proposes a mix of 14 high-quality homes, creating a sustainable, inclusive and mixed community on the edge of Saffron Walden, close to the amenities offered by the new shops in this area, such as Aldi and B&M. The proposal, through its design, layout and landscaping, is considered to result in a visual enhancement to both the immediate and wider locality. The scheme, by reason of its scale, bulk and height, is also considered to result in a sympathetic addition to the street scene, taking cues from the scale and massing of other residential and commercial properties in the vicinity. The mix of dwellings contained within the application are in direct response to the housing need identified within the housing register. The provision of lifts within both blocks of flats means that we can designate some of these as suitable for older people whilst also being able to allocate the two-bedroom flats to those with children of all ages. This will allow us to achieve a balanced community across all ages and household sizes. In terms of the quality of the accommodation, the scheme is in accordance with the Essex Vehicle Parking Standards, the Essex Design Guide Standards and Waste Management Requirements. It also provides high-quality amenity space for the future tenants of these council homes. The scheme utilises the existing access that was provided to the boundary of this site during the construction of the adjacent Aldi store. Appropriating this site from the Council's general fund and its subsequent development for affordable housing use will not only bring a Saffron Walden Brownfield site back into use, it would also increase the Council's housing stock, ensure that best use can be made of right-to-buy receipts and provide a return to the Council's general fund. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Turned off. <laughs> Open it up. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, this looks like a very good development, and it's on a piece of land which is under, not used at all at the present, so it's all good. Um, Originally, when we looked at this in the town council, we thought, ah, there's no affordable housing. We hadn't read it properly, basically. It turns out it's all affordable housing, so therefore it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and I would, you can find a second to it in a moment, but I'd like to propose this for approval. Of course, it's a very good thing to happen. One thing it hasn't got, though, and that's any um, open space, green open space for kids to play on. One could probably provide it fairly easily. Um, they're not going to go and kick a ball around an Aldi car park. Uh, it's a very busy road, the Thaxid Road, straight outside, so that's not going to happen either. So it would be good to have some play space in the core of this community so you could keep an eye on the people who are using it, the children who are using it. That's the only comment I would make. The other comment, actually, there is one more. Tiptoft Lane isn't really a lane. It's actually a water course. Um, I've been up there, and it's lovely. It's gorgeous. Um, but when it rains, it turns into a river like the Slade, and that's its purpose. So it's, it's not really a footpath in the normal sense of the word. But I'm fully in favour of this, and I commend it to fellow councillors. Thank you very much, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Lachlan. Uh, thank you. Yeah, can I just ask, uh, plots one and two, uh, the detached houses, are they market houses? No. Are they? It's all affordable. It's all affordable? Oh, yes. Ah, because they're um, detached, three bedrooms, with garden sizes. One is 192 square metres, one's 147 square metres. But the same three-bedroom semi-detached houses have quite much smaller gardens. 
And as I noticed uh, in private um, developments, the larger, not so affordable, I mean, more affordable houses are put at the back, and the, if you like, for a better word, posher ones are put at the front in the same way as these are with uh, bigger gardens. And I'm just wondering what is the reason for that, because our, our policy is dispersal throughout the site, but it just seems as if... Well, you can make a funny face no. if you like. I can do that as well. No, but the dispersal... But I'm just, yeah. I'm just telling you, that is the way it, it usually happens on any site. We put the bigger, more posher houses on the outside and put the smaller ones uh, in, if you like. And I just wonder why that was happening, that's all. But I can make a funny face if you want no, me to. I'm, I'm, I'm confused because usually that discussion is on the context of where you've got the market dwellings and where you've got the affordable housing. It's all, market, it's all affordable housing. So it's totally mixed. And so just that, that some of them are bigger than others, that's the issue. So some of those, those posher ones that you're describing are also affordable housing. They are affordable housing, just they've got large gardens. So there is, you know, there's no... Does that mean they're 20% lower than market value? Is that what you're saying? Because that's what affordable means. They're affordable means. houses built by well, the council. Can you define affordable then, please? Are, they are affordable houses built by the council. And I don't know if Judith would like to clarify that issue. Sorry, yeah, perhaps a housing officer could clarify that. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, just to clarify, yes, these are all affordable rented properties. So affordable rent, the definition is 80% of market rent. But in this area, 80% of market rent is higher than the local housing allowance. So the property's rents will be um, set at local housing allowance rents. So they will be eligible for full housing benefit if somebody requires it. So they're all for rent? They're all for rent, at affordable rent. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, finally, we have a wonderful application in front of us, and I'm, I'm absolutely delighted. Um, and I w would like to second the motion to approve. Um, I do have... Actually, I'd just like to commend, actually, also the, 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 the housing uh, team for actually putting together a well-thought-out scheme here, and it's very refreshing. I'd have a couple of questions that I'd like to have just clarified, please. Um, if I can draw attention to your officer's report uh, 9.12, there's a mention of asbestos fibres, and I just wanted to check, I may have missed it, if, the, if that is covered in the conditions to mitigate the potential issue regarding airborne asbestos fibres. Uh, during the construction process, there are various legal things that the people, the contractors, have to work towards. Okay, great. That'll be covered by that. So it, it, it's covered, yes? Okay, great. The second point is a bit more difficult. <laughs> um, 11.38, uh, and that's regarding the issue of air quality uh, and the fact that we are in an air quality management area. I do know Thaxter Road. I lived on Thaxter Road. I, I know the area well. Um, again, I don't know if it's covered. I haven't seen it, but do we have um, something that mitigates the potential effect on our air quality of the scheme? Um, there are conditions related to the actual um, windows and trickle vents on the properties themselves for the internal occupants of the dwellings. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much. So, yes, I'd like to second the motion to uh, uh, approve, please. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councillor Fairhurst, did you want... Yes. 
Thank you, Madam Chairman. Yes, it will, the wind's been taken out of our sails. I would heartily congratulate the, the housing team for this. This is what we should be doing. It would be nice if we looked at more of these. Um, the question of affordability is always going to be a big issue. Um, just one thing, that there had to be one thing, and that is could we make a big deal of the landscaping because there isn't a huge amount of green space. And can you imagine if we have wonderful affordable houses which are not a great place to live? They're living next door to LD and they're getting there via a, a sort of a back route. Um, landscaping could make all the difference. Yes, Councillor Bagnall. Uh, just a point of clarification. Uh, I was looking at the, the numbers and I was surprised to see that the detached houses at 95.9 square metres with a garden of 192 square metres and you've got semi-detached houses 120.8 square metres with gardens of 87. And going back to the previous application, could we not make better use of the land available with a, a revised design that gets better amenity space? Because it feels to me like it's a little bit lopsided. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally in favour of the scheme in principle, but I think we can do better with the land. I think the design needs to be tweaked. Yes. Thank you. Right, is there something? No, I'm just saying that I must say, our housing team get the best from their land because they legally have to. And at the end of the day, as well as maximising it, and that's, it is lopsided and there must be something on the side, not lopsided in a bad way, that you have ones that are just slightly below and ones that are easily above. And that was probably because of the constraints of the development as well as the mix of the houses. And so I, I, can, I can guarantee there has been a lot of tweaking within the housing team to get it to this stage. And so I, I think if they, if they, you know, if they could have done it in a, yeah, I think everyone would have preferred it to be across the board, straightforward gardens, and then, yeah, because you have got some that are larger than, than normal. But I think in the, at the end of the day, I think this is the best use of this land in terms of, the, in terms of, the, in terms of it. And, to, you know, that's why you've ended up that some are slightly bigger than others. Sorry, can I, I'd just like to ask. Um, that 9-11... Due to the proposed limited available garden space for the dwellings, a future land use scenario of residential without homegrown produce has been adopted. Is that because of the land itself, or is that because of what you know the contamination of the land, or is that because? Could you just nod your heads? Yes, is that yes? It is yes. Right, thank you. <laughs> okay, right, Councillor Bagnall. I just wanted to come back, Mr Brown, just to try and understand what those constraints were in terms of when they designed. I'm looking a bit wary now. I don't know, to be honest, but I can guarantee they would have been some. That, because this was, this was designed by a team in order to... I don't know if Doug or, or Judith could actually clarify this issue. Yeah, OK, that'd be helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. Um, we've we've maximised exactly what we can get on the site. If um, members who know this site will know the dramatic level differences between the point of access that was constructed when the by the Audi Superstore and as it enters into the site. So we, we are talking on a serious level difference, and it drops into the site. Then we can get a level site in order to build the accommodation. What we would have. We, we would like to get more onto it, but clearly we also have to meet amenity and parking standards. And because a lot of the site has such poor level problems for us, this was the maximum amount we could get onto that site. 
Thanks very much. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Councillor Freeman, first. That's me. Okay, good. Right, thank you. I just want to confirm, Madam Chairman, on that map to the south west, the road falls away, the levels fall away substantially, so it's a slope, a steep slope. And on the northwest, all the way round to the north, it's Tiptoff's Lane, which, as I say, is a watercourse, and it drops away heavily towards that, so I think they've definitely done the best they can. I also noticed, Madam Chairman, that this site is 0.31 of a hectare. The one we were considering before for three houses was 0.36 of a hectare. Point taken. Well made. Councillor Pavitt. Just simply to say, shall we move forward to a vote? It's a brilliant scheme. I think we can move yes, on. Yes, I think so. Oh, sorry, Councillor Lehman, before that. I, I know we need to move on, but I'd just like to add my um, congratulations to our housing team. I think they've produced a, a, a wonderful scheme. And not to be boring, I'm so pleased it's housing for the many. Absolutely. Well done. Um, right, moving forward, so I've forgotten who proposed this. It was Councillor Freeman, sorry. Councillor Freeman proposed and Councillor Gerard seconded and to, to approve this application. So all those in favour of approving? Unanimous, Madam Chair. I don't need to count heads. Thank you very much. That's approved. Wonderful. Thank you. We will take a five-minute break. Just five minutes, please. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
told your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. OK, we'll recommence now, thank you. UTT 191411, full application, Endeavour, Littlebury Green Road, Littlebury. Littlebury Green. Sorry, it has road up there as well. Littlebury. So, um, Chris, Tyler. Thank you, Chair. The application site relates to a detached bungalow located along Littleberry Green in Little uh, Littleberry Green Road in Littleberry Green. The site is accessed from the main highway by a private driveway. To the rear of the site is a large rear garden. Uh, a public footpath uh, is to the side and rear of the site. The site previously included a garage which has been de uh, demolished. This application is for the retrospective demolition of the garage and proposed demolition of the existing bungalow uh, and erection of two dwellings. One dwelling is proposed to the front of the site uh, and the second within the rear garden. The existing access will serve the dwellings and appropriate off-street uh, parking is provided. The application revises a previous, a previous application on the site refused in May 2019 and sets out to resolve the refusal reasons, which included insufficient back-to-back -back distances uh, and the scale design of the dwellings. As such, it's considered those issues have been resolved. This plan is of the proposed house to the front of the site, known as Dwelling A. This plan is of Dwelling B to the rear of the site. This plan demonstrates the street scene within the, um, with the proposed dwelling in the middle and existing neighbouring dwellings to the side. It's considered to be compatible with the neighbouring properties. This plan demonstrates the rear scene from the proposed dwelling in the middle and the neighbouring properties to the side of the site. Uh, the Parish Council objects to the proposal as set out in the committee report. A uh, number of objections have been received uh, as included in the committee report. A further objection letter was received yesterday. A uh, number of the points already included in the report. However, some further points have been raised. These include uh, the description of the site is incorrect. Um, I've checked um, the, this and confirmed the description of the development is correct. Uh, impact on uh, the development to the neighbouring properties have not been given any weight. Due weight has uh, been included to the neighbour's comments. Uh, however, a recommendation including all the factors has been made. The application does not have a planning statement. This is correct and it is a typo in the report. However, the application does include a tree report, uh, ecology survey and transport survey. Uh, the planning history is incorrect. The report acknowledges the previous refused application. Uh, the development has already, been, has already commenced. The description of develop, development includes retrospective dem demolition as set out in the report. Insufficient consultation of neighbouring properties. This has been checked and the statutory consultation process has been followed. 
the development is, uh, will set a planning precedent. This is not a material consideration. Uh, the plans are mid misleading. The uh, plans include sufficient information to assess the application. Uh, in regards to the assessment of the application, no objections have been made from the highway authority or ecology officer. Sufficient off-street parking is provided. Sufficient garden space is provided. As set out in the committee report, the proposal is not considered in, uh, to be any harmful, uh, have any harmful impact to the character of the site uh, or significant loss of amenity to neighbouring properties and accords with both local and national planning policies. The application is recommended for approval with conditions. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, we have quite a few speakers on this. Um, so we'll start with Councillor Gregory. Um, we have Jeremy Featherstone and Bridget Featherstone. I presume that's Mr. and Mrs. Featherstone. Um, are you both planning to speak? Um, I, they're obviously got to be on completely different aspects of the application. Yes, that's fine. And then Rose Johnson, Patrick Kaffer, Kafferke, Jan Menno. No? Yes. Oh, sorry, you were just saying yes. Jan Menel, um, Mr. Randolph Palmer as well. Okay. So, thank you, Councillor Gre um, Gregory. Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you once again to the committee for the site visit this morning. I realise that you have an enormously busy agenda and a lot of speakers, so I shall keep my remarks remarkably brief. I'm aided in that by the fact that one of the subsequent speakers is Alderwoman Menel, who represented Littlebury on this council for some 40 years and knows the area and the locality better than anyone else on this planet. Um, We'll come straight to the point. It's inappropriate in scale. It's overlooking. It has drainage issues. It's a backland development. Local opinion is strongly against this, and we need to stop the urbanisation of our deeply rural areas, especially those that are in the more uh, undeveloped areas of the district. There's nothing more to be said. You know, one property on this site would be entirely adequate and in keeping with the village. Two is not. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Gregory. Um, Mr Featherston? You need to press the button. Thank you. Actually, could we, could we have the um, site plan view? Yes, thank you. Uh, we live next door at Churchside and have been there for the last 10 years. Uh, we, don't, we don't have any objection to House A, but we do object to House B. In, in 2018, the applicant first applied to build these two houses. There were 35 representations to object, including unanimous objection from the Parish Council. And there was much relief when it was refused without going to committee in May this year on the grounds of the scale and form of House B being overly wide, harmful impact to the character and appearance of the site and surrounding area, not in accordance with policy Gen 2, conflicting with the environmental strand of sustainable development, insufficient distance between the two plots, results in overlooking, harmful to future occupants, in conflict with Essex Design Guide. So, so what has changed with this new application? I'm afraid the answer is not much. 
So it's not surprising that it still drew 21 objection representations, including unanimous rejection from the parish council once again. House B has been moved back one metre, slightly narrower, slightly lower ridge height, but it's still a substantial four-bedroom house with through eaves, dormers, and raised up eaves levels. This is much closer to a full two-storey form than an acute little chalet bungalow. So I'm afraid we do not agree with item 11.11 of the KFARTHERS report stating that it now mitigates harm. It will be a looming, intrusive and dominating development, harming the living conditions of the neighbouring properties and damaging the appearance of the surrounding area. As the Parish Council points out, no other similar applications with overlooking upstairs windows have been allowed before in the hamlet of Littlebury Green. The ridges and eaves, as a side note really, the ridges and eaves heights of House B would be a very key concern to us. And we note that in the case officer's report, recommended condition 6 addresses this for House A, but does not explicitly reference limits for the much more contentious House B. So I'd just like to, my key point is to return, is to return to this 25 metre distance between the houses, which the reapplication addresses before for the two new houses that aren't in existence. What about the existing houses? Well, unfortunately, these plans and all the applicants' drawings fail to show the rear, rear extension to Churchside, which is the building on the right, which was built in 2007. That's a five-metre deep extension, and if that had been included, the case officer would have seen that there is actually less than 23 metres at an angle of 14 degrees between House B and Churchside. I think that contravenes the Essex Design Guide section on rear privacy for overlooking. I don't think that's a matter of opinion, I think that's a, a, a fact. Uh, my wife Bridget will talk a little bit more about the overlooking from the windows that we fear from House B, but you know, we, our view is that this application is not in accordance with planning policy or the Essex Design Guide and that we request that you refuse the application. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Featherstone. Mrs Featherstone, thank you. Thank you. And good afternoon. My name is Bridget Featherstone. I live in Churchside, neighbouring property to the Endeavour site, and I'm here to object mainly to House B on this proposal. The main reason for this objection is that this proposal will result in a loss of privacy to residents of Churchside. Proposed House B will have a significant material adverse effect on our enjoyment of Churchside house and garden. And this has not been considered in the planning officer's report. Our privacy will be lost. There is a rear extension on Churchside, as mentioned by Jeremy, and this is not shown on the planning application. This extension has floor-to-ceiling windows, both downstairs and upstairs, and currently these are not overlooked in any way. Proposed House B will have upstairs front windows looking into our main bedroom window and our main living room window. This along with light glare from House B windows, will significantly detract from our enjoyment of Churchside House. 
Upstairs, side windows from House B will look directly into the church side garden. Proposed House B, as you can see on the site there, will be sited extremely close to the boundary of church side. So close that it will in fact be not be possible to fully open the side door of House B without hitting the boundary fence. This proximity also causes concern to us that laying of foundations of House B will damage the roots of existing mature trees within Churchside Garden next to the boundary. In addition, there will be light pollution from the inside and outside of proposed House B, plus car or delivery vehicle noise and lights within what is currently a quiet neighbouring garden. These facts, I feel, show the development to be overbearing and will result in significant loss of our enjoyment of the churchside garden. This is a garden that we currently very much love. My understanding is that for development outside of development limits, the countryside should be protected and planning permission only given where the development's appearance protects or enhances the character of the countryside. This proposal, I believe, contravenes this. You only need to look towards Littlebury Green from the footpath around the field behind the site to see that proposed House B on this site would not enhance or protect the character of the countryside. For these reasons, I believe that the application is in breach of policies Gen 2, Gen 4, S7 and H4 and as such should be refused. As a side note, in addition, I am concerned about the sustainability of allowing an extra dwelling on this site. Littlebury Green is a hamlet, it's not a village. It is remote from places of employment, schools, healthcare provision, shops, etc. This only promotes the use of private vehicles and their associated costs to the environment, contributing to carbon dioxide emissions and climate change. I respectively ask the committee to vote refuse. Thank you. Thank you very much. Rose Johnson. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. My name is Rose Johnson. My husband, Chris, and I are owners of the neighbouring property, Briarwood. I have, in fact, lived in the property for over 60 years as my parents built it. Firstly, we do not object to replacing the old bungalow endeavour and garage with an appropriate replacement property, built along the general development line of the street scene and in keeping within the Uttlesford Local Planning Guide. However, we oppose most strongly to the additional dwelling House B, located to the rear of proposed House A. The proposed development of two large four-bedroom properties on this narrow plot is overbearing, out of scale, out of character for this small hamlet. The top floor windows of House B will look over our property, rear garden, and directly into bedroom, bathroom and kitchen. This would impact greatly on our amenities, our privacy, our right to enjoy our current living situation. It is worrying to us that the revised plans are still incorrect regarding the drawn, and it shows here, the boundary line between Briarwood and House A, as it still shows a gap between Briarwood and the boundary line. 
thus giving a false impression there is more distance between the two properties. The fact is, Briarwood sits on the boundary line, which has huge implications regarding the proposed three parking and turning spaces per house and the traffic movement. To access House B, it is proposed that a three-metre driveway be constructed. The traffic, be it car or delivery by lorry, will pass immediately beside walls and foundation of Briarwood. This raises concern of structural damage to the foundations and walls due to vibration, possible impacts. The planning officer's report mentioned Thomas Walk, which runs along the other side of our property. We have, over the years, experienced such damage to the garage and the stable. There is also health and nuisance concerns from the fumes, traffic noise and light pollution from headlights, as our bedrooms are situated on the other side of the wall. Special concern would be for the ground floor bedroom. Any size house built on plot B would always have a major impact on our house due to traffic flow. Also, the plan of House A shows a 45-degree angle from Briarwood to allow turning space for parked cars, but due to the inaccurate drawing of the plans, the vehicles will actually manoeuvre closer to Briarwood and the ground floor bedroom. The proposal has not considered the environmental impact that the additional traffic movement will have. We have raised these concerns on every objection letter, as we firmly believe that they show the proposal contravenes Uttlesford Local Plan Policy H4. As H4 states, B, there would be no material overlooking or overshadowing of nearby properties. C, development would not have an overbearing effect on neighbouring properties. And D, access would not cause disturbance to nearby properties. In conclusion, 21 letters of objections have been submitted against this application, such as the depth of feeling in the hamlet. It would be a travesty if the second house B was approved. One replacement house would make a wonderful family home with a garden overlooking fantastic countryside and wildlife. Now that would be an asset to the environment, the village and the family who would live there. Therefore, we respectfully ask this committee to refuse this application and allow only one house to be built. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Patrick Kafferke. Good afternoon. Thank you very much, Mr Kafferke. I will try to keep my comments down to, uh, less than I've got here because obviously some of them have been gone over so far. One thing I would say, though, is that it's stated in the report that the garden to the rear is stated as large. It is no larger and indeed smaller than most gardens in Littlebury Green, which really means then that the whole of Littlebury Green is up for backfill development after this. So that gives me some cause for concern. Um, human rights. It's mentioned in the report, but there's nowhere that the human rights is actually referred to in depth, and our human rights seem to have been thrown away in favour of this development, with little or no words against it. As far as the objectors are concerned, no material change has occurred since the original refusal, except minimal um, reduction in size on plot B, and you can see it from the uh, 
dotted line to the left as we look at it, but the orangery at the bottom has increased by at least a third, and that is right uh, opposite both Farthings and Rosemary Cottage. The other thing to add to that is that Rosemary Cottage isn't on that drawing, never has been. We've asked for it each time that the drawings came out for it to be added, and it hasn't been. The excuse they gave us today was that it's not on the Ordnance Survey map. Well, we know it is because the discharge licence we've held for getting rid of the water from our biodisc for 27 years uh, is straight from the Ordnance Survey map, and they could have had that as well. So there's a little bit of disingenuity, if that's a word, or I've invented it anyway, to say that uh, what's been presented has always been in their favour. Um, what have we got? We have light pollution. That orangery has a lantern on top of it as well now. And so that's going to go straight in between. If you look at farthings to the left of plot B, Rosemary Cottage is just off down there. So the orangery looks straight into the gardens of both buildings and into the ground floor windows of farthings and into the bedroom windows on Rosemary Cottage. Um, overviewing, it's a two-storey dwelling house. It's been said that it's one and a half storeys. It's not. It's got normal floor-to-ceiling height, so it's a two-storey building. And it, when, if, when you look out of the windows, you can see right into our properties. Noise pollution. Um, where the cars are, there never were cars before. There are vehicles coming onto that um, plot, driving all the way down, turning round, and at night time, their lights will go everywhere. There's a, there will be patios outside both the orangery and the bifold windows to the dining room on the other side. One could expect people to want to go outside in the summer evening, have parties and that. And of course, that's going to be quite high up as far as we're concerned and will inflict on us. And the loss of privacy is obviously related to all the items above. Um, consultation. We were never consulted by the developer at all and it's been said several times and we've written back in our responses that we in Rosemary Cottage and Farthings were never consulted so we've had no written communication we've had no verbal communication with these people we just found out from our neighbours what was happening we believe it's out of character with the size uh, with the site and surroundings uh, that was from the previous report. It's not dealt with, as we said. It's a, it's a very minor reduction in size of plot B, so that should still exist. Um, as mentioned of planning precedent, it is stated that all planning applications are considered on their own merits, yet the report then goes on to use a precedent in the, uh, in the case of Braintree DC versus SSLG. I know it's not directly equivalent, but precedents can be used, it would appear, when uh, they suit. Um, I said the plans are misleading, and the reason is that the dimensions are not sufficiently there. We've all seen in the papers... Sorry, he was sticking his tongue out. I was just wondering why. Um, Mr Brown. Um, <coughs> I'm sure it wasn't at you. I'm sure he was... <laughs> um, we've all seen in the papers and everywhere else where houses have been built where they shouldn't have been built or offices or whatever and they've either had to be taken down or something else has happened. There's no way that anybody could say if these houses have been built where they are should be because the dimensions don't interlink from one point to the other. So plot B is, apart from the 25 metre gap, could float up and down as could plot A. So what's needed is a dimension from the road to plot A and then that would fix plot B. If you could come to a conclusion now. Yeah, okay. Thank you.
Okay, in conclusion, this is what we gave out to the, to the planners uh, after the last application, which shows the overlooking. Yeah, and you had that, and yet that's been ignored. It says we're not overlooked. It says in here that uh, we're overlooked from the footpath, which is the dark bit going round farthings. We are not overlooked from that. People taller than me have stood outside there, and you cannot look into farthings or Rosemary Cottage. We would ask that the report is reviewed and reissued and that the consultation that uh, hasn't taken place should take place and that we should all try and work through this together and to get to a mutually convenient con uh, conclusion which is that plot B shouldn't be on the site. Thank you. Thank you very much Mr McCafferkey. Sorry. Um, Jan Menel. Jan Menel, Chairman, representing Littlebury Parish Council. Firstly, Chairman, may I thank your committee for making the site visit to Littlebury Green, not Littlebury Green Road. It is a sad fact that work began on the site of Endeavour with the initial removal of an iconic and special landmark in our hamlet, the felling of a magnificent species of what is commonly known as a monkey puzzle tree from the front garden, albeit deemed not to be a material consideration, followed by the destruction of the remaining mature garden and valuable pond area. The parish council was inundated with representations from distressed neighbours and irate villagers. The raw site was now exposed and work commenced to demolish the existing garage for which you now have a retrospective application. The Parish Council comments are listed under item 8 and refer in the main to policies listed under 7.3. If I may quote with regard to advice on replacement dwellings, a developer should take into account the effect on the existing habitat and species by any proposed works and should include measures that protect these during and after building work. How unfortunate that this developer did not apparently heed this advice. The Parish Council refers to overshadowing, issues of overlooking, overshadowing, height and scale are important in rural locations. And once more, I quote, replacement dwellings should be of similar size according to that policy so that when finished, they improve the quality of the local environment, are built to minimise the environmental impact, and follow a good design practice by respecting neighbours' amenities. We understand when it says that replacement dwellings will be permitted if in the same scale and character of neighbouring properties, and that the footprint should be more or less in the same place as this will have the least impact on the character of the countryside. The Parish Council would like to know, therefore, what justification is there for two dwellings and the consequent overshadowing and overlooking of neighbours, as will happen in this case, with Farthings and Rosemary Cottage to the rear and Churchside and Briarwood to the side. The proposed design of two dwellings here, therefore, will dominate the landscape as outlined in the Parish Council's first paragraph. The Parish Council are disappointed 
that no attention was given to the nature reserve abutting church side in the ecological report. Any increase in the effluent discharge could be detrimental, and the village is not in line for main drainage any time soon. The parish council are still of the view that minimal infrastructure supports the current population. The scale and design of the development now proposed and the loss of privacy to neighbours is unacceptable and considers that these are still valid reasons for your committee to once more refuse the application for two dwellings on this site. The Parish Council are also of the view that this will set a planning precedent and increase the proposals for future backland development within the village. I trust the committee will give serious consideration to the views of the Parish Council and all other representations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr Palmer. No. No, Mr Palmer. Okay. Open it up to the committee then. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, it's quite remarkable how different these applications look when you see them in paper a week before, and then you hear and you discuss and you hear people talking about their homes. I think the clue here for me is, is the farthings and, and church side and Briarwood and Rosemary's Cottage, um, even Endeavour, in fact. And they're clues because they give some idea of the character of the place we're talking about. Our job here, I think, is to get as many houses as we can within limits, house people, but also to protect the, the, the environment, to protect the place we live in, look after it, show respect for the people who live there. And we've discussed issues of overlooking, which affect the privacy, drainage, the word urbanization comes to mind. But obviously this Little Brie Green is one of those iconic gems that we have to take special note of. We've got to be very careful when we rush in here because we're going to damage something you can't fix. And I think the important thing for me is backland development. I'm, I'm hoping that my, my colleague, Councillor Freeman, will support me on this because he's a strong uh, proponent of this issue. But backland development is a policy of ours for a very important reason. It's like a cancer. It's a virus. Once you do it, you can't undo it. There is a precedent and people start building. And whether it's a large garden or a small garden, once you've done it, it continues getting done. So I'm going to propose immediately rejecting this, primarily because of backland development H4, and I'm sure we'll have many other reasons. Thank you. Councillor Pavitt. Thank you, Chair. Um, we looked at the site this morning, um, and it is, to me, patently obvious that property B has a significant impact on church side, on overviewing and overbearing. Um, this looks like a site that would be, it's fine, put in property A, you know, make a nice four-bedroom home, but don't be greedy and try and do B as well. Um, it has a significant impact on the people around it. Um, so, you know, I'll be voting against this. Thank you. Yes, on, on the on grounds of backland development, I'd like to second the proposal to refuse. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, if I could just ask the officer, please, Mr. Tyler, uh, just to on that plan there, we were 
we were sent, and I've just had a look at it, we were sent a, a, a plan by, uh, I think it's Mrs. Featherstone, which is that plan there, marked up, showing their extension to Churchside, uh, which, which is existing extension at the bottom of the southeast, sorry, the southwest corner of Churchside. There is a built extension that, that they had, that was built, I think, from Planning Commission in 2006, um, which is a, a block on the southwest corner of Churchside. Now, um, just been brought to my attention, but the distance between the extension that is not shown there and the proposed house B seems to be less than the required 25-metre amount. Um, could you just clarify, because I'm, I feel that slightly misled in, in the nicest possible way, but I just want clarity, please. Uh, I haven't seen that plan, first of all, um, but uh, we're visiting the site. Um, yes, that is likely to be the case, that there would be a less uh, distance between the two properties. Um, whether you feel that's uh, an issue, I'll, I'll leave that with you, yeah. If I may, Madam Chairman, just to, just to ask on. So, if that is the case, and if the measurement is, and I have no reason to doubt it, it is the 22.8 metres uh, from the corner of the extension that is built, not shown, and the, and the nearest point on House B, it does contravene policy, or does it not contravene policy? Uh, I, I believe it contravenes the design guide, which we choose to adopt sometimes, but and then not to adopt other times, but um, maybe Mr. Brown could answer that. On that particular issue, we do adopt it, <laughs> to be honest, and, but that particular point is usually on straight back-to-back, -back. but that's probably why we haven't quite got as, in terms of assessing it, because it depends what you see on site. Sometimes, sometimes 15 might be all right, and sometimes 22 is too close, so therefore it is, is all in, in the context. While I'm on... Could I just say, whilst you've just raised H4 as a reason for refusal, which is fine, um, it's a bit peculiar. This is in terms of is it backland or are you just producing? Are you just doing two dwellings? But I'm not arguing with that point. But so I think the other point that you may want to add is Gen 2 as well, because and that covers that covers just in case someone argues that it ain't backland. No, 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 and Gen 2 it does the same thing. But are you carrying carrying on? Okay. Um, I was then going to ask, and you beat me to it, yeah, sorry. Um, but I will ask the second part of my question, which is Gen 4. We've heard a lot of issues here of good neighbourliness, and it's something we don't often talk about in many of our applications, but in this case, I do think it's relevant. Um, and it's nice when there's good neighbourliness, and I think we need more good neighbourliness. Um, so I'd like to consider whether that is a relevant policy here. It depends what you're saying that is unneighbourly compared to what Gen 2 says, because Gen 2 takes into account overlooking, overshadowing, overbearing, all those issues. Gen 4 is usually about issues in terms of noise, um, in terms of if you're running a business or something like that. Not construction, I should add, but they're so, so I think probably Gen 2 would, Gen 4 would have to have that extra element of test on appeal. So I think H4 and Gen 2 should do the job in terms of the concerns that are being raised. Councillor Freeman? Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, Little Bury Green is a small and delightful hamlet with its tin church, which is rather lovely. Um, and I take fully the, the point that once you allow this sort of backland development, then everybody else is open to do it as well. And Little Bury, Little Bury Green would suddenly become twice the size without any more facilities 
without any more amenities, it would just be bigger in terms of the number of people that live there. So I am persuaded that uh, House A is okay, and house, but House A plus House B is not. The other thought that occurs to me, though, is there's a perfectly serviceable bungalow on that site already. If we didn't build House B, you'd knock down a perfectly serviceable bungalow to build a bigger house, which is allowed. You can do that. If you're worried about things like carbon footprints and stuff like that, it's the worst thing you do is to knock down a perfectly serviceable building and go and build something else in its place. So I think this fails to stack up on all sorts of arguments, and I certainly do not feel inclined to support it, Madam Chairman. Councillor Lachlan. And then well, uh, Councillor Freeman has just said mostly what I wanted to say. It does seem that every time we get a bungalow knocked down, a couple of houses go on the footprint. And it's just such a shame we're, we are, well, we do lack bungalows in this district. And also, you know, what people have said, it will have an overbearing effect. And I would not vote for, I haven't, don't have a real problem with A, although I would like to see a bungalow. Um, but B, I don't think I could go with that. Thank you. Councillor Bagnall, then Stora. Uh, just a couple of points of clarity. So uh, I made a note. So the gentleman talks about Rosemary Cottage, and it's not on there, on the drawing. But, but worse than that, the drawing's not in my pack, so I haven't even seen that. And I was just wondering if I missed it or is it not put in the pack? Because it would have helped me if it was no, in the pack. No, it wasn't. If so, I may, Chris, I think it came from one of the speakers. No, but it's in that... It's in, it that in that presentation, pack? but it's not in the pack. And it's quite oh, material to the whole case, the fact that you can see it like that. So I didn't appreciate that, having not been on the site visit. Um, so that's a bit of feedback, I guess. Uh, and just for clarity, in section 11.5, it talks about this precedent. Is that normal for us to put stuff in about precedents? I thought, as was said, I thought we treated every application on its own merits. So is that a normal practice for us to put precedents in? Because I don't normally see that. So if you look at 11.5, and it talks about, as the speaker said, about the brain tree, uh, DC versus SSCLG, I'm trying to understand why that's in there. Well, that's not precedent. That's a material consideration when considering an application and the definition of isolated dwellings. Is that normal for us to do that? It is, because it's, it's, it's quoting case law. Right. It's not, that case law is, you know, that's the way this country works in terms of, I'm sorry, I'm looking at a lawyer now. <laughs> but it's, it, case law is, is not a precedent, it's just case law, and that's material to the consideration. It's not like we're saying, like, oh, well, development over here has happened, so this development over here should happen. So we're not arguing precedent here. It's, this, is, this is the arguing case law. Okay. I've just not seen it before. Yeah. And I it's why. very rare, but that is quite a significant case. Okay. But for the record, I think for, for all the reasons given, I couldn't support it either. It makes sense to put A, but it doesn't make sense to do A and B. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised that the, all the various comments that were received didn't help support a better, better recommendation. Okay. Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair. I think I'm right in saying that the previous application that was refused in May of this year was refused for two reasons. One being that plot A will result in overlooking to the rear private amenity space. That will be harmful to future occupants, and hence it will be contrary to policy Gen 2 
and the Essex Design Guide, uh, the point for us to determine now is, will that reason still also apply to the current proposal for plot A? With regard to plot B, um, that reason of refusal said, the contrived design will result in harmful impact to the character and appearance of the site and the surrounding area, and therefore contrary to uh, policy Gen 2. Question for us again, does that still apply? And a question for the officers is that given that, that well, none of the reasons referred to backland development, would it now be appropriate, acceptable, to insert it as a reason, or would that just be a hostage to fortune if we ended up at appeal? Thank you. I don't think it is, to be honest. I think members could include it. Um, it's, as I said earlier, it's a bit odd because, you know, are you building a dwelling behind another dwelling or are you just building two dwellings in tandem? And really don't want to have that argument, so you might as well put H, as long as you've got Gen 2 as well. I don't think by adding it is necessarily causing a problem. And also, you're a different set of eyes as well. So that's not necessarily a problem. The Pabot, but then I think we'll go um, to vote. Yeah. Can I recommend it for refusal, please? Motion. I think we've. Anyone second? I think we've we've got we've had that we've had that. Thank you. Oh, we've had it already. We've had it. Thank you. Good. Yes, Council Lemon second. Fairhurst, one more, last one. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you for letting me come back. Um, can I ask about Gen Seven? Because there was apparently a nature conservation all sorts of things, um, and I think the Gen Seven might be applicable. It may be belts and braces, but I think it might be applicable. It's important in this case. The problem we have is yeah. that we have uh, an ecology. That's not a problem. The ecology. We've got no objections from ecology on that basis. And so to add a nature, con we do pick up the comments made by uh, Mrs. Bennell by the parish council that whether that's based on. But we've got no evidence to that. To be, I'm not saying that's not true. But I think we have no objections from the ecologist. So therefore, to put an ecology refusal reason would could be quite. Sorry, Mr. Brown. Can I just come back on that? Uh, is that ecology a desktop exercise again? Yes. Because if it's a desktop exercise, then I think it's an appropriate reason for a refusal. No. If, if you had someone gone out, I've, I've got to clarify what the role of the ecologist is. The ecologist does not go on site and check for these particular, for whatever they're, they're checking, whether it's habitats or whatever. It is based upon evidence that's submitted. And so evidence will be submitted either on a, on a biodiversity, biodiversity checklist is completed by the applicant. It wouldn't be valid without that. And then on that basis of that, it identifies whether there's particular things that need to be covered and whether there's studies. And those studies are carried out by, by volunteers, whether it's bats or whether whatever it would be to be carried out. And then that is then assessed. Sorry, Madam Chairman. Thank you very much for that response. It was very, but I think... The point here is that if we've missed it because it wasn't included, and the, the suggestion was made that it wasn't included in the plan, here's our opportunity to include it. And I would just like to put, if, if, the, if, the, if the committee's managed it, I'd like to include it because I think it's an issue. It's, it's down to the proposal of the secretary. All I could do is advise. It's Councillor Lemon. So we have the proposal to refuse, proposed by Councillor 
Fairhurst, seconded by Councillor Lemon. Therefore, take this to sorry, a... Sorry, we need sorry, to clarify five, whether or not the second uh, finds Gen 7 is an acceptable added on the bit regarding my Yes, um, so, so, two, so Gen 2, Gen 4, Gen 7 and H4. Yeah. Gen 2, Gen 7 and H4. H4 yeah. Okay, so we have the proposal to refuse this application. All those in favour to refuse? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you. That application has been refused. Thank you. Item 8, UTT 19-1054, Outline Planning Permission, land north of Hinnom Road at Debden. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the application site relates to a plot of land north to uh, Hinnom Road in Debden Green. Uh, to the south and west of the site are a number of dwellings. To the north of the site is uh, open agricultural land. This application seeks outline planning permission with all matters reserved except access for the erection of two detached dwellings uh, and associated uh, infrastructure. The dwellings are proposed to be part of a self-build project. Three objections have been received by neighbouring properties included in the report uh, and due consideration has been made to these. Uh, no objections have been made by the Parish Council, however some comments have been forwarded this photo is of uh, the view along Debden Road, demonstrating the site is screened uh, from the highway. This photo is of the access point along Debden uh, Road, sorry, Henham Road. Uh, although um, the access will be formally established, no objections have been made by the highway authority. This photo is of the location of the dwellings to the rear of the site. Uh, you can see the existing uh, dwellings along Henham Road. Uh, the dwellings to the rear of the site include two recently um, approved and built dwellings, um, which contribute to the cluster of dwellings within that area. No ecology objections have been made. No highways objections have been made. The proposal is not considered to be harmful intrusion to the rural location and will contribute to the existing cluster of dwellings at this location. Taking into consideration the details set out in the committee report, the application is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you very much. Um, do we have... Okay, yes. So, Chris Loon... Thank you, Chairman. Uh, I'm speaking on behalf of the applicant, Barbara Bonham. Uh, firstly, she expresses her gratitude uh, to your officers for their report and recommendation uh, of approval. Uh, the committee should be in receipt of uh, the applicant's letter dated the 11th of October, um, and I will briefly reiterate the key points of that, and that was copied to your officer as well. Uh, as you've seen, the site lies adjacent housing at the edge of Debden Green. 
as part of a large paddock which the applicant purchased many years ago for her and her son to pursue horse riding. But due to change in circumstances, the paddock became redundant and has not been in active use for some time. The applicant has historical family links in Debden and used to enjoy taking part in local community and sporting events. And she's now keen to move to Debden and once again partake in village life, which the proposal would facilitate. The applicant lives on her own in a family-sized house in Saffron Walden. She wants to downsize to a self-build property, and one of the two proposed dwellings is, this, is for this purpose. Her existing house in Saffron Walden could then be occupied more efficiently by a new family. The dwellings proposed would be sited at the far western end of the paddock, as you've seen, adjacent and opposite houses and gardens. The housing on the opposite side of the road extends further east, and so the site's new eastern boundary will mirror this residential extent of the settlement as part of a logical rounding off. The remaining paddock area could then be used for horse riding by the applicant's grandchildren, uh, with the applicant being on hand, living adjacent. This arrangement will enable regular maintenance and upkeep of the paddock, which has not been a case for a while. As you've seen, there is uh, thick and mature vegetation. Uh, we've shown some extra shots in the letter that we sent to you. Uh, along the deep highway verge, and for the most part, this tree screen uh, will mean the dwellings will not be visible from the road. The access to serve the properties, as you've seen, reuses the paddock gate access, and so there'll be no loss of trees whatsoever. There have been a, a number of new individual uh, dwellings approved or built recently in Debden Green. There are two detached dwellings just completed to the west, uh, which further consolidates the established residential context within this housing proposal is set. Uh, and also 275 metres to the east, an almost identical application for two detached dwellings was recently approved by the council, and that's referenced at paragraph 11.10 of the committee report. Uh, and there are also plans in the letter that the applicant sent to you, uh, which you can compare with. Uh, that site is similar, being located at the edge of the settlement on the north side of the road, next to an opposite housing, with vegetation on its boundaries, backing onto the field and close to the good bus service. Given the similarities and planning context of those two schemes, uh, a consistent approach by the Council would indicate that this application should also be approved uh, as recommended by your planning officers, noting the uh, current housing shortages uh, as reported by Mr Brown today. The applicant explained the proposal to the Parish Council and they have not objected. They are aware the applicant is also keen to get involved in village life as she did many years ago, and a neighbour opposite also sent the applicant a very welcoming letter as copied to you. Finally, Chairman, this is a modest housing proposal, which officers advise will not result in significant encroachment or impact to the rural character. There are no objections from the Highway Authority or ECC Ecology, and I therefore hope you agree this is a sustainable development proposal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Open it up to the committee. Councillor Freeman. Yeah, the, the one question I have to ask, Madam Chairman, is uh, 
something that exercises us often with these sort of developments. It's obviously sort of development in the countryside, but what about the sustainability? The officer's report appears to be silent on the matter. I don't think, I don't think it is silent on it. Uh, I, I might be a bit blind in that case. Sorry. Um, so, uh, paragraph uh, eleven point three um, goes in regards to it whether it's an isolated site. Um, although that doesn't include the sustainability points uh, that you've brought up, uh, it, it looks at that we're looking at this site in terms of a, a cluster of houses um, in Debden Green. Um, but it, again, it, it doesn't pick up on the sustainability points you've, you've raised. I was reading something. Um, which, who's, who was? Councillor Pavitt. Apologies for that. Um, presumably the, the, the site access is where it is because of the bend in the road. But it does take access all the way along the paddock mm. and therefore present a perfect development opportunity in the future. Mm. Um, so one wonders whether some kind of condition or caveat about the future use of that paddock might be appropriate uh, just to give us reassurance that this isn't a shortcut to something grander in the future. Councillor Gerard or Fairhurst? Either, either um, or. Thank you, Chair. Yes, I was going to raise the same point. Um, I have visions of White Ditch Lane in front of me, so for, forgive me for shaking slightly. Um, in principle, you know, I have no problem. If, if we can make plans to prevent bad things from happening next, um, I do think that the Parish Council comments are actually quite valid here. I think that we need to protect the paddock from being developed somehow, um, restricting further development somehow, the other issue with regards to the time it takes to self-build is, is an important one, I think. I'd like to find a way in which your team, development control and enforcement can assure us, if we're minded to approve, that we won't have another white ditch lane type of thing going on. So that's kind of where I'm coming up, Mr. Brown. Right, i do the first of those first. Um, let's turn it around. Rather than rather than tr you can't prevent from horrible things from happening for a 106 because you could put a 106 to say you won't develop the site you could put a, a 106 to ensure there are covenants put on but they can be overcome what you can do is something positive and and you know in terms of as part of a 106 package make that be maintained as a paddock i know it's sort of doing the same thing but as part of that proposal that has to make that maintained as a front drop, as a paddock. It doesn't stop any development coming in, but if someone applies for planning permission, they're going against the 106, and that has to be unpicked. And for a start, the gift is as We don't have to consider any, any variations of a 106 for five years anyway. So that's the first one. We don't even have to say... And then after that, we can say no. So therefore, on that particular issue... So it's, it's the positive element to that. It does the same thing, but it actually says it's maintaining that as, as the paddock if members are, are, think that this is appropriate development. In terms of the cell... In terms of the, the self-build issue, this is always a problem we have with self-build, that they, they can take, um, you, know, you know, just like development coming out of the ground anyway, but 
as a project, once it starts, it becomes a building site for a lot longer period. Um, uh, there's nothing we can do about that particular issue, but what we can do, and one thing the parish did say, there's this: we would have no, we would have less control. We wouldn't have less control because this is an outline. We will still have reserve matters, which will cover the design of the issues and all those things moving forward. And so I, I, I'm still confident moving forward that we still have those controls, just like we would if we were approved two plots that weren't self-built uh, in terms of it. If they're purely self-built, then they will take a bit longer to be built, and that's usually what happens. Madam Chair, if I may just come, it, it's, it's a particular point for me. I mean, I, I've just had a neighbour of mine build next door to me, and three years later, they're just finishing, um, and it has been a very dusty experience. So I'm just trying to, as we go forwards, if that, you know, it, it is something we should bear in mind that, you know, we just have to try to make sure that that doesn't happen. It, it often doesn't happen maliciously, it just happens because piecemeal builders and developers don't do things the way they should. It just goes week by week by week, payday by payday by payday, and it just drags on, yeah. Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair. I have had exactly the same concerns. Um, to my mind, a Section 106 agreement isn't the way forward. It wouldn't fit this bill. What would do, at least for a limited period, would be a restrictive covenant, but there isn't one in place at the moment. So I put that question uh, to the case officer. I went up and had a little discussion with Mr. Tyler at this lunchtime, and um, he was able to satisfy me. And I wonder if now, Mr. Tyler, you, I could put upon you to summarise that, um, what you said to me, to, uh, to the committee, if I may, through you, Chair. Thank you. You may. Thank you. Thank you. So in terms of the paddock area being developed on at a later date, uh, we, yes, uh, Section 106 uh, agreement could not resist that. Uh, what we would be looking at, if, if a new application come forward, uh, we would be looking at uh, an assessment whether that is appropriate to develop there. I, ha I haven't made an assessment of, to that point yet, but I can see that the uh, site um, to the east um, of the application site is an important open rural space. So, therefore, it, in the future, if any future applications come forward, um, due consideration will need to be taken. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I think I've been here too long. Um, the, I'm feeling like a Sybil at Delphi, and I'm looking for all the reasons why I can go wrong. I'm sorry, but you know the point is this. If, you, if we pretend for a moment that that blue square was, this, was the subject of next year's application, I think it'll be a very fairly attractive option. I'd say it's got access, it's already been developed, the process is working, and that's how development works. Once we say yes to the red, only an irrational person is going to say no to blue. It's a process. It creeps. Now, I know I sound very cynical, but as I say, I've probably been here too long. It sounds such a lovely, and I like self-build. I think self-build is really great. We should be encouraging that. And I think it looks like a great development. And the idea of having a paddock next to my house with horses is even better. I'm not in favour, I'm afraid. I'm going to vote against this. Councillor Bagnall. Sorry, I, uh, I was listening to the words, but I didn't quite get the point. So this restrictive covenant, I didn't, I didn't quite understand what, what the answer was in the end. 
So at the moment, there's, there's not a restricted covenant um, in place on the site. Nothing has been proposed, uh, which would, that would be a legal sort of document, um, uh, a covenant. Um, a Section 106 um, agreement um, is, is the other thing that's been put forward to by the Parish Council. Uh, however, the, that wouldn't be appropriate for, to restrict development on that site. It's not a, a, an appropriate way of restricting any further houses on that site. We would have to uh, assess it if a planning application come forward. So, so that goes back to Councillor Fairhurst's point. Yeah, OK. Um, didn't... But didn't... Sorry, Mr Taylor. Um, Mr Brown, you said that the S Section 106, they couldn't come back for five years... So we, it would be held up for five years. They can't even ask, ask for, for five years. Ask for five well, they can years. ask, but then we can just then ignore could, them. Yeah. I mean, I just come up with an example of it. It's a much bigger scheme. It's a much bigger scheme. But Walpole Farm in Stansted, um, you make well out of your like. I think it's a good scheme. But the very moment we were considering the application, there's a major, what I call the front drop of the whole site. Because, you know, so therefore the whole issue was that, and I remember the discussion in this room, it was, all the houses were going to come flying over the hill and then they were going to just, they were going to just finish. And a lot was made of this front paddock area and we, we secured it as a 106 on a much bigger thing. Um, it doesn't stop them coming in and applying for plan permission, but they're directly in contravention of the whole planning permission to start with. It works the same way here. If you've got a, if you've got a 106 which actually has this site, and a lot was made by the speaker of paddock, blah, 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 so they're moving... Sorry, I wasn't dismissing that. It was genuine in terms of moving that area forward, as a set, and so therefore it's, it's quite important. And therefore that land then... Because, at the moment, it's a paddock. And, well, it's a disused paddock, and there, and there was legitimate reasons why it's become a disused paddock. But to actually bring it forward positively as a paddock moving forward, if that was members' only concern about it, I think that would do that. And to unpick that, you would have to resolve the Section 106. Because of, if you have a Section 106 or even a covenant that prevents people from actually applying, you cannot legally do that. You can't prevent someone from applying for planning permission. On this one, the, you, you've got an extra bit of legal thing to unpick as well, and to unpick that would clearly, on the, and also, as Chris has just said, the likelihood of us supporting development on there anyway, regardless of what you're doing, is unlikely anyway, although we can't prejudge that. Councillor Gerard. So I'm a little bit stuck here because I, I actually want to support the application, but I want to protect what might happen next. Um, and I do need some further help. I've been told that. Uh, 106 is not appropriate and, and, a, and, a, and a covenant is not yet legally in place. So I need some help here because yeah. I mean, what do we do? Yeah, you've heard a section 106 is not appropriate, but you could do a 106 is what you've just heard. But obviously there is a difference in what I've just said. If members are mindful to approve this, we could come back with something to actually, because obviously I don't want you to just sort of stab in the dart and approve this, but if members are generally acceptable of this, we could come up with a Section 106 package, or the applicant could turn around and say, we ain't going to do this, and then you can resolve that on that basis. So subject to a way of maintaining or, or, or what's the word, securing the paddock use for, for the future for the future years, and if that's a resolution, we could take that away and come back next month with a Section 106 uh, heads of term. You can take it, you can then make that consideration, yes or no? Well, Madam Chairman, I, 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 mean, I think we need to understand that a covenant in, in, in creates a civil obligation. 
and that will be overruled. 106 gives us some protection, as we've been told, but it's not protection. It's some protection, and it's time-based, and it's based on the applicant. We cannot defend against the extension of this process, as I understand it, for any long period of time. Well, that, that is true. That is actually true, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's if, if that's the controls, that, that's the only thing we can do. I would be minded to, to propose rejection and refusal of this, madam. Okay. Councillor Pavitt. Shall we move on the, on the refusal first and then discuss it further, or? Councillor Storer wants to come back. Just one more. Oh, was Councillor Bagnall first? Uh, just, just point of clarity, um, and it might not be a planning reason, so I'll probably get shouted down, but um, I heard all, all the good reasons why the person wants to move from Saffron Walden into the site, but that doesn't add up to two detached dwellings, so I'm a bit concerned that, as Councillor Fairhurst has said, this might end up with creep, because it starts with an outline for something, and then before we know it, we're looking at four, six, eight. I've seen it in other places, so I am, I am cautious. Picking up Councillor Fairhurst's point, much as what I've just said about the 106, if members are genuinely concerned about creep on this particular site, then they should refuse planning permission. I'm not suggesting you do that, because I think it's an appropriate development, but, uh, you know, and the, but then that is it. Uh, yeah, I can't give you the, the guarantee on this particular site that that won't happen. I'm just the recommendation is still for approval, I'm sure. I'm just thinking that, I mean, I... I get what you say, Councillor Fairhurst. But, you know, we refuse this and they come back with another application. You know, if we went, if we asked um, Mr Brown and his team to come back next month with the 106 and look at the 106, it's five years, possibly more. It's a, cer it's a certain amount of protection. You know, I mean, things go on, time goes on. Nothing, nothing is ever safe. Um, things change, time changes. I'm just, I just think that might be it. It gives us some, it gives it some protection. Dory, you wanted to say something. Yes, please, Chair. Thank you, uh, Chris. Could I ask you to put the other uh, slide up, please? I'm going to give you a little more detail of the discussion um, Chris and I had at lunchtime. The site. In red, as you'll see, opposite it, there is another house. And the argument um, that, I won't say it convinced me it's 100%, we'll have to see if that materialises. But there is an extent of openness to the east on both sides of the road. That's the paddock to the north and to the south. I'm not sh quite sure what the rectangle is there. But to the east of that on the south side, there's a... A house, and there might be another one, but what you don't see from that from that particular map is that it's a little, quite a little way up the road until there's any more development after that. So there's a fighting chance, and I'll let the officers comment upon the prospect of success of that. Of uh, this development, should it go ahead, should we grant permission, of it being limited on that basis, on the basis of this is the end of the settlement in that locality. Whether it is or not, whether we would win an appeal, I don't know. But that was the argument that was put, and it's half a chance, I think. Thank you. 
Without coming on from that, um, can I just ask, what is that square or oblong uh, bit on the opposite side of the road? Do we know what it is? Because if it's a barn, it could be built on. Councillor Fearhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a convincing, it's a persuasive argument if it were not for the fact that the access to this site is so, and you know it's true, if, it were not, if the access for the site had been directly into the grid, I would, I would patch on the back and say we're almost there. The, the access says build me, and there's, and there's a lot of space there. I could put 96 houses there at least. You know, it's, it's, we, you know we, we are painting ourselves into a corner that we, can, we know is going to happen. And as much as I, and I really do like the idea of a, a little paddock and some horses and things, but let's not kid ourselves. You see, I'm too old for this. Um, have we had a second for that? No. Um, can I, possibly, before we take a second, um, we could defer, vote to defer this and visit it next month. Um, and while looking at us, looking at see if we can put a 106, if you if you're minded to do that. Certainly to visit. Yeah, I think I think members. I think a lot of a lot of the comments are being this and that and that. You know, not dissing what you've said, but a lot of it can be lost without actually visiting the site. And so, so, and then we could do some work at the. Okay. We could do some work in the background at the same time. Do you need to vote that one in? Councillor Freeman proposed. Proposed. Councillor yeah. Fairhurst seconded. So, all those in favour of deferring this till next month, can we have a show of hands, please? Thank you. Vote for that. Oh, gentlemen, could, you, could we please put your hands up? I need to count you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. All those against? Thank you. One against. So we would defer it. This application is deferred till next month. Thank you. I think. I think so. Yeah. Okay, you t moving on item 9, UTT 190761 full application the railway arms station road Saffron Walden. And it's Maria Shoesmith. Thank you very much when you're ready. Thank you. Thank you, chairman. The application we have before us is uh, relating to the railway arms which is located on the junction of Station Road and Station Street within Saffron Warden. The site in itself is um, classified as an asset of community value, locally listed and within the development limits of Saffron Warden. It currently is um, vacant at the moment um, and uh, hasn't been used for at least two years. This application um, is a resubmission uh, of a previous application um, with revisions that have been made. The scheme is for the erection of a single-storey rear extension, which is... Just to say, Councillor Bagnall has just left the room. Okay, thank you. Sorry. 
So uh, as part of the application, uh, a single-storey rear extension is proposed to create a, um, a new access and accessible toilet uh, for, to serve the, uh, the public house. Sorry, I've lost the cursor, which is located here. Um, also, internal works um, to the layout of the public house is proposed, both on the ground floor and the first floor. Relocation of the fire escape um, and also um, on the side to the side elevation um, and landscape works which include a decking area and pagoda which is located here and a new gate um, located here uh, for the access. In terms of what's being proposed, apologies, this elevation isn't the greatest. The elevations um, above here and here are what are existing at the moment, and the elevations located here and here are what's being proposed at the moment. Sorry, I've got that wrong. <laughs> That's what's existing. That's what's proposed on these elevations. This elevation is on Station Road, um, showing um, the access gate which is being proposed. In terms of the uh, fire access, there's one located at the moment which needs to be relocated uh, and has been redesigned. This allows for the pagoda and decking area um, and seat, outside seating area at the back. Similarly, um, you could see the extension here which is proposed uh, which is an extension for the accessible toilet as well. These are the floor plans which probably make it a little bit more clearer than the elevations. Um, so the single storey extension here and uh, accessible ramp into the uh, lobby and the uh, toilets located here. You've got the decked area the relocated, redesigned uh, fire access. And on the first floor, it's proposed uh, a reconfiguration um, to properly lay out the manager's accommodation and the uh, public toilets as well on the first floor. In terms of the scheme itself, uh, this has been discussed in detail within the report in terms of conservation officers' comments, both relating to the previous scheme and the amended scheme as well. Um, in terms of its relationship to its designation as an asset of community value and its locally listed um, designation as well. In terms of the works that have been proposed, um, concerns that were raised have fundamentally been addressed within the revised scheme. Um, the only outstanding points related to the French patio doors, which are located here, which the conservation officer had raised. However, um, in consideration of the benefits of the scheme by bringing the uh, building back into use as a public house, um, and the fact that it is locally listed as opposed to statutorily listed, it was not considered to be sufficient to refuse the application. Also, in terms of parking, um, parking um, has not been provided on site, um, and this has been negotiated um, through a condition to at least provide disabled parking spaces on site in accordance with the Essex parking standards. 
Overall, the scheme is considered acceptable. Um, the works that are being proposed um, will facilitate the building being brought back into use. Um, the various works, such as the accessible toilet, the fire escape, uh, are in line with building regulations and what's required uh, to bring the building um, to an up-to-date standard. And the um, outside seating area also complies in terms of um, outside smoking facilities. As a result, the scheme is considered to be acceptable and therefore has been recommended for approval subject to the conditions outlined within the report on page 92. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, we have... Yes, Council Bagnall just returned to during the um, presentation. Thank you very much. Um, we have speakers now. I believe Councillor Light left her um, comments with somebody to deliver for her. Right. Thank you very much. If you could just say your name, who you are. Yes, thank you. They're not. My name is Kenny Wright. I've been asked to read this statement on behalf of Councillor Light. Thank you very much. I would like to make a statement about the application regarding the railway pub in Saffron Walden. I urge you to reject this application. You will have noted that the buildings are a rare surviving example of this type locally. The Town Council, of which I am also a member, is concerned about structural harm to the building, including the proposed destruction of an unusual sash window to create a door and the loss of green space. I'm also concerned about the impact the proposals will have on the surrounding roads as cars will be parked in front of residents' houses. This is a quiet residential area and should remain as such. The building does need to be brought back into use, but as a pub for the local community. It does not need to become a destination eatery to which people will have to travel by car from outside the area. And I ask you please to reject this application. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Next, the, ne the next speaker is Mr David Kenny. Madam Chairman, Councillors, thank you for allowing me to address you this afternoon on the subject of this planning application. I've followed the case closely and have concerns about its merits and the justification for it. Uh, a, a speaker who will address you after myself will describe the asset of community value which is in place across the entire complex. I understand that the, asset, the ACV registration should be material um, should be material in this uh, a material consideration in this planning application. There have been numerous developments, numerous objections on this basis. In addition, the railway arms is included in the recently adopted local heritage list, a status which confirms its local and regional importance as a rare surviving complete railway hotel complex, including stables, cart shed, 
workshops and stores dating to the coming of the railway to Saffron Walden in 1865. In recognition of this significance and status, council officers have requested that the application be accompanied by a heritage statement to outline the significance of the complex, explain how the development seeks to enhance that significance and justify the damage caused by the development in terms of the loss of historic fabric, specifically two original unused sash windows. The owners have not been forthcoming with such a justification. In considering this application, Essex County Council Place Services and UDC's own conservation officer advised that all existing fenestration, arrangement of windows, should be retained unaltered as it contributes significantly to the symmetrical appearance of the building and reflects a legible, legible architectural language that ties it to the station building further up Station Road. Further place services advise that a pergola to be sited along the eastern elevation of the pub between it and the stables and cart sheds obscures a considerable section of the side elevation of the pub building and would cause further detriment to the manner in which the architectural merits of the building may be appreciated and experienced. The planning officer has accepted that advice but crucially has exercised judgment to conclude that, the design of the pergola, that, be, that as the design of the pergola happens to meet the definition of an unenclosed space as defined in the smoke-free regulations of 2007, it is required under those regulations, and other, uh, those regulations and other legislation in order to bring the building back into use. I take issue with that and would suggest that the damage it would cause cannot be justified in those terms. The smoke-free regulations enshrine no obligation to provide smoking shelters in workplaces or places of public use. It is recognised, of course, that many employers and businesses, such as pubs and clubs, do want to provide smoking areas for their employees and customers to use. But should an organisation not wish to provide a smoking shelter, they are not obliged to do so. It is also clear that should the owners in fact wish to provide a smoking shelter, then they could do so elsewhere within another unenclosed structure. In truth, the application expresses no intention to site a smoking area there. It would be strange indeed if they intended to do so in an area designed for family use and outdoor eating, immediately adjacent to a door into the interior where their customers are also eating and drinking. Therefore, I'd ask you to conclude that the harm caused by the loss of the original sash window on the ground floor is not outweighed by a need to comply with regulation or by the public benefit of seeing the building brought back into use. Both can be achieved by other means, and thus irreversible damage is not sustainable. There is an active community group, a well-funded community benefit society in place, with plans to save the pub as it is and to reopen it within its existing footprint and to work with its historic status. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Mr. Robert Eastman. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Councillors, in March 2017, the District Council listed the railway arms as an asset of community value. In May 2017, the owners, Charles Wells, challenged the ruling and a review was carried out by Mr Roger Harborough, who, after investigation, dismissed the appeal. And I quote 
from chapter, or rather paragraph 6.4 and 6.5. The reviewing officer does not, repeat, not accept that the garden and the pub are physically separated by the shrubbery so that the use of the garden is no longer linked to the use of the building. The reviewing officer is clear that there is a physical and functional relationship between the two areas, demonstrated by the access, outside lighting and signage. And this is 6.5. The beer garden and car park cannot be regarded as an ancillary use to the pub, but as part of the use of the pub. Now the fence shown in the existing plan, up to the north there, linking the building, um, is not in fact a complete fence. It has a gap in it of some four to five metres. You can see on that drawing, uh, sorry, photograph, there's a gap there of four to five metres. So it's not shown, the gap isn't shown on the actual uh, plan. And therefore one thinks that it should be. This fence shown in the existing plan, a three foot high picket fence backed by a laurel hedge does not extend to the first outbuilding on the north of the site as shown. And the three metre gap allows continuity between the pub garden area and the car park. Now my concern in this application is that the garden is not included on the plan after having said that the garden is part, an integral part of the building. It's not included on the plan. The garden, which, as all of us who have used the pub will know, used to be a hive of activity for most of the year, especially at weekends when families would gather and enjoy themselves in a really good social atmosphere. And I suggest by not including the garden, the applicant is effectively withdrawing from public use an open recreation area. Um, under the question of consultations in the officer report 9.2 Ecology, uh, and I hear what Mr. Brown has said before regarding BAT surveys, but I just would, lo would like to make one point. The BAT survey has been reviewed, this is I quote from the officer report, and there is sufficient information, there is sufficient information to determine the site has a low suitability for roosting bats. No further mitigation is necessary. I have seen bats around the area, in that area, around the, the outbuildings and around the pub itself in the summer, summer evenings, just after dark, in the dusk. And they are there and they must need summer to roost. Now, those outbuildings and the pub itself is an ideal roost for them. I would like to leave the question for councillors to ask, who did the survey? Was it the applicant... The fact that the garden is not included leads me to believe that the applicant has other plans for it, such as two houses, as on this plan drawn up by the architect last year. Two houses shown in the garden. However, uh, that would, the drawing... This would, of course, be in direct controversy of the 2017 review. Um, however, it is not the application under consideration, and as such, cannot be presented as evidence at this stage. Councillors, I would suggest that this application is incomplete, 
and invite you to seriously consider that whether, without an existing garden, the green space, that this application has any merit at all. Madam Chairman, thank you. Thank you very much. Julie Hales? Oh, sorry. I got the wrong. Can you just tell me, can you just give me your name? Julian Hales. Julian Hales. Yeah. They've got you down as Julie. They've got you yeah. down as Julie. When you, I said Julie and I thought, no. it's, it's on my, terribly on sorry. On my day off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chairman and Councillors. The questions I have are ones I hope you would each have asked yourselves. Why does the railway need planning for a pagoda and courtyard garden when it already has the only remaining real garden in town. Does grant, granting planning for the courtyard garden render the existing garden redundant? If this is the case, what is to become of the existing garden? From experience of other public houses in Saffron Walden, small outdoor covered areas adjacent to pubs become no more the convenient winter bolt holes for smokers and also, in summer, their permanent residences. Hardly a pleasant environment for alfresco family dining. On the contrary, the current garden with real grass, flowers and trees would continue to provide a more natural outdoor experience during our ever-lengthening summers. It is this particular feature of the railway that provided one of our early slogans for the Strap campaign which is the railway, the village pub in town. I see little merit in the exterior plan for the railway, nor that the, the proposed changes will enhance the visitor experience. Certainly if fake grass and concrete is to replace the natural environment that currently exists. It is with this in mind that I ask you to reject the planning application as presented. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you very much, Mr. Hales. Thank you. And um, last speaker is Gemma Perry. Okay. Um, just, uh, I think, a couple of points that um, we haven't quite covered. Uh, the pub, as it stands, only has a modest car park. However, the conversion of the car park to the courtyard garden obviously removes parking availability, which includes parking for the on-site, the live-in manager and staff, and any staff which would commute to the pub. Um, so I think regardless of where they consider that the customers will park, it's still moving the staff onto the residential streets nearby, which is not fair on the staff or the residents. Um, uh, if the disabled spaces that they mention are put in what is now labelled as the delivery area, um, this will obviously cut off the access to the garden or or puts cars in the way of the customers going from the pub to the garden, which is not an ideal, it's a dangerous situation. Um, I also have concerns about the exclusion of the outbuilding to the east on the plans, um, because with the plans cutting round that, uh, 
it um, it could lead to it being developed in a different way in the future and believe that the whole site should be considered as it is. And I think that's it. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Councillor Fairhurst and then Gerard. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I must point out that the presentation of this has been really rather poor for me. I know the I know the site very well, and I really can't. It's not very clear from there what points to what. Really, I'm sorry, but we can do better than that. Rant over. Um, you know, we've been to Delphi already, and uh, I'd like to bring us back close to home. And if the alternative we're looking at now is what we'll do is you, we've been told on five occasions that this at least the upside is we bring it back into use. And the suggestion, of course, we could bring back a stone hinge as well with a small car park and a bit of hotel, some windows, landscaping. Um, and it comes to the question of use. What do we mean by use? We're not talking about druids here, but it has a value just being there. What we heard about is the, is the stables. and, the, and, and the, We don't have those anymore. This goes back to the 1890s. 1880s, part of who we are. It's part of who Saffron Walden is. And our job here is to think about that. Think about the stables and the gardens and the people having one too many in the garden that exists. And the option here is we can turn it to Witherspoons. We can put a wall over here and a, and a nice fireplace because that complies with regulations and that brings it back into use. Well, quite honestly, I like the idea of a pub. I mean, not myself, but I, they're a great social institution and we are losing them. And we've got to be very careful what we lose. We can replace it with something else, which isn't the same thing, and that's fine. But a fireplace and, and, and take down some sash windows. When you turn to our notes, it says, and I think it's important, first of all, there isn't a heritage um, statement. That is a bit of a panic for me, because I like um, um, conservation officers' comments. And uh, this is, sorry, this is on page 86, 9.3. Um, but the most important point for me in this entire process is in that paragraph. At the end of that paragraph, it says, this site should be dealt with as a whole to avoid piecemeal and harmful development. That's what we're here for, to avoid harmful development. On the basis of what I've seen, on the basis of a possibility of losing something that happened in the 1890s, which you don't get back, I believe this is a harmful development. We can do better. We have a lot of people in Saffron Walden who talk about this. In fact, what we haven't mentioned is that there are thousands of people who've put their hands in their pockets and said, I will be part of the future of this process, so there's a better alternative. And on that basis, quite simply, I, I, I move to reject this. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, yeah, I mean, I circled the same paragraph in the officer's report regarding the conservation officer's comments. I, I am concerned that there is no heritage statement. Um, I'm also concerned that we're dealing with an asset of community value, and it's something that we as a local authority have been pushing for uh, quite hard in the past few years, and we're finally getting... Um, bodies applying to protect their villages and their towns with um, applications for assets of community value. And I'm reading now, if I may, Madam Chairman, just in terms of this is important because we are here to, to, to do our job. Uttlesford District Council's own comments regarding assets of community value state, and I just want to say this very quickly, the Localism Act 2011 introduces a concept of asset of community value 
uh, under the Localism Act, placing a duty of local authorities to maintain a list of land in its area as, as, as land for community value. And as it is of community value, if, in the opinion of the authority, actual current use of the building or other land that's not ancillary use furthers the social well-being or social interests of the local community and it's realistic to think that there can, that, that, that there can continue to be non-ancillary use of the building or other land which will further, whether or not in the same way, the social well-being of interests of the local community. And it goes on to say that assets of community value are buildings or lands which involve the physical use by the community and they include examples as village shop, pub, community centre, allotments, etc. So this is a prime example of an, a valued asset of community value that, uh, that has been applied for, the local authority has ad adopted it, it has value, and it should be protected. Th bearing in mind, coupled with the, the lack of a heritage statement, I'm sorry, but this cannot, I cannot support this application, and I will second the, the motion to refuse. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. I, I, I suppose I should declare an interest. I've actually used this pub about 30-odd years ago to start with, uh, before it was modernised and then modernised and modernised again or whatever. Um, and I'm also responsible for it being made an asset of community value. Of course, I did that as a chairman of the planning committee at, at the town council, it was up in Warden Town Council. This is actually a fairly cynical application, I feel, by the developer, but that's not a, by the owner. That's not a, a, a planning matter. Perhaps cynicism is allowed, I guess. But the point is that this application here doesn't mention, make any mention of the garden. And as uh, one of the speakers pointed out, there is a map out there which has got two houses on it and would certainly hold a couple of houses. Uh, it's an attempt, really, to keep the ball in play. Because there's a very professional organisation, public organisation, who has attempted to buy this off the owner at a commercial price, but the owner, because if you own something under English law, you don't have to sell it unless you have a compulsory purchase on it, uh, and the owner has declined to accept that perfectly reasonable <laughs> offer, honestly made, and it would make a very good community pub, no question about that. It's been a very good pub over the years. If the beard garden were retained, it would be first class in all sorts of ways. At the moment, the reasons that give me concern for this is obviously the loss of off-road parking. It can only work commercially by a company if it was a destination pub. A destination pub is something you drive to, uh, have your burgers or whatever, and then drive away. It is actually slap bang in the middle of what has become a residential area. It's not just a residential area as of a housing estate, although it could be that. It's actually very heavily populated with flats and apartments. Uh, and some of those are occupied by aged people. It's uh, got a lot of old people's homes down actually the same side of the road, down Station Street. Uh, so that's fine, except when people get back into their cars at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and wake everybody up by driving off. Of course, there isn't any on-site parking. There would be very little on-site parking. They would be parking on the street, and they would be getting into their vehicles and driving away on the street uh, at the sort of times that you do when you've finished with your pub. So I have difficulties with this application on that basis. Also, I think the garden and the pub should be a single unit considered as a single unit. This is a cynical attempt to split them off into two 
separate units. There's no mention of the garden here at all. It's attempting to collapse all of the amenities down into the space occupied hitherto by the pub, and it's a very modest car park. So I would very much like to refuse this. I don't know upon what grounds we can, and that's the thing that exercises me. I take guidance from the officers on that. Sorry, Chair, can I possibly comment? In terms of, I've heard obviously all the comments that have been made and uh, a lot of comments have been made with regards to the building, the historic buildings on site and the garden. Um, the application, the garden and the buildings do form part of the red line area, so they are part of the planning unit. Whilst it, the application um, doesn't affect those directly, the, what's being proposed just purely affects the main building. Therefore, um, any mention to the, to the ancillary buildings and the garden are not necessarily necessary in this instance. Nothing else is for consideration in terms of what works are being uh, proposed to the building. In terms of its use as, uh, in terms of its classification as an asset of community value, the pub's not being lost. It's still a pub. How it's being run, the nature of the pub, it can't be controlled. Its protection under the um, asset of community value is to protect it from being lost as a, as a pub itself. In terms of what's being proposed, um, there is a restriction in terms of the parking. They've lost the parking on site. That is a concern. That's been raised within the report. In terms of the not providing a heritage statement, because it's locally listed and not statutorily protected under legislation, we don't, one's not required. However, one has been requested, but they haven't provided one. Um, so that's been mentioned and discussed within the report um, in paragraphs 11.9 um, to 11.11. .11. So that, that, that's been mentioned. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, we can't predict in terms of how they're going to use the rest of the land that forms part of the parcel. Again, as I said, that's not for consideration under this application. So in terms of the impact of what's being caused from the works, the internal works have been discussed. Um, the effects of the, um, of the extension and the pagoda and the uh, fire access, that's been discussed. And the conservation officer has um, stated that those are acceptable. The only concern that she had was with regards to the French doors. So in terms of um, impact upon the local um, listing of the building, that was assessed in light of the conservation comments and the amendments that have occurred during the course of the application. Um, so I just thought I'd point those out. If I may, Madam please Chairman, um, can you please therefore put up the elevations? Uh, I've, it's... 5765-2403. You got it well up. Can you make the larger ones smaller? I don't know if you... A larger, if you get the bottom ones, if you can inflate them. Uh, because I, I have no idea. I can do it on my machine here, but you might find it hard up there. Uh, my point... Ah, 
this is this is good. We we need a four-year-old for this, really. They're, they they can do it just like that, you know. Uh, we can stay with the ones that we can see because the fire escapes are grotesque. The fire escapes are wonderful things, especially if you happen to be on fire. But um, the impact on the symmetry of that building and the appearance of it, if you look on the lower part, uh, they're basically iron balcony and walkways and staircase still. Uh, and it would wreck the appearance of the building. Now, that's certainly the view taken from the garden side, the beer garden side. Uh, you can see it quite clearly on here, whatever. Okay, so that would be another reason, in my view. I, I don't actually understand. It was said in one of, the one of the sustainability reports that actually you can do this another way. Why do you have to do it this way? This is the most abusive way of, to a building of providing fire egress. Uh, you, you can have protected walkways inside a building. Why have they done this? And that would be one of the reasons I would turn it down, would be the, the gross metal fire escapes and the impact on the, on the building itself, the integrity of the building. I'm very sorry. I, we're going to have to just adjourn for five minutes. I'm blocking somebody in, so I need to go and um, move my car. So if you want to take a five-minute, just a five-minute break, yeah. terribly sorry about and, this. And because we're adjourning, we can't really talk to each other. Well, no. We'll, <laughs> we'll pretend it hasn't happened. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Okay, apologies for that. The joys of our double parking system, because our car park's not exactly the most large of places. Um, therefore, I think if we go back to you, Councillor Freeman, and Mr Brown can answer your questions. And I think a heritage statement is a very good start, which in their case we do not have. I think we can... I'm, I'll be honest with you. I find... I mean, there's not criticising the recommendation for refusal at all, because I think looking at it on face value... And we know, you know, I find the application quite distasteful, to be quite honest with you. The 95% of the works that they can do is permitted development anyway. And the guys will confirm that they haven't started or done this yet. They could have done the most of it, and we could be, we could be arguing over a smoking shelter. Um, so the fact is, that's... There is some stuff amongst all that that is... Um, I'm trying to get the right paragraph of the MPPF. Unfortunately, we have to go straight to the MPPF if we're going to refuse something on the basis of it being a local heritage asset. Paragraph 185 is the right for us to... But we get the right paragraph number. Because the issue on that one is it is, it is a local heritage asset. Um, simply by ask... We don't legally have to ask for a heritage statement, but for goodness sake... Why didn't they give us one? So I think, and, and there is an objection from the conservation officer, albeit on a very small point, it's an objection nonetheless. The second issue, I think, is regarding the... I, can, I pick up the issues regarding the, the garden quite clearly. Why would you create a new fake garden in an area and at the same time take away the parking? I, you know, it's immaterial. You do need parking. We could have an argument here about whether you need car parking at the town centre, but there's a car park there that you're losing. You're actually minus. So you've got... The, the appropriate paragraph of the MPPF in terms of the, in terms of the issues and Gen 8, which is car parking standards. They haven't achieved it. Don't need to think it anymore. Don't have to worry about intention or where we're going. The only thing that was worrying me in terms of playing if, if a game is being played, and I really don't mind if this is being broadcast, because technically speaking, while you're talking about an end game here of the loss of a pub, the change of use of a pub, or the, you know, the replacement of houses, you need to show that you've tried to um, bring it forward as a, as, a, as, a, as a pub. And you can safely say, well, hang on, we put an application in to redo the pub to open it, and the local planning authority flipping refused it. But we refused it for two good planning grounds here. And so, therefore, on that particular issue, I, I would suggest the appropriate paragraph of MPPF, I think it's 185, is around there, and Gen 8, lack of parking, I think that will do the job. You don't really need to th overthink anything else on that basis. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. thank you. Madam Chairman, on those terms, I would, I would, I would thank the, the officer for his support on this process, and those would be the terms of my rejection. Okay. Thank you. Second for that. You've already seconded. So, Councillor Fairhurst <coughs> proposed, forgot the word, sorry. Um, Councillor Gerard seconded. Um, therefore, uh, I'd like to bring this forward for um, a vote to refuse this application. All those in favour of refusing? Unanimous, Madam Chair. To refuse. Thank you very much. Item, where I Item 10. UTT 19-1995, full application, Fry Art Gallery, Castle Street, Saffron Walden. And it is Chris Tyler. Thank you, Chair. 
the site relates to the Fry Art Gallery, north, um, <coughs> to the north of Castle Street in Saffron Walden. This application is for the demolition of the existing extensions and erection of new single-storey extensions, alterations to include proposed new fire exit and rebuild of boundary wall. Uh, a new access will be provided to improve the to uh, provide a improved level access point for visitors to the gallery. Uh, the site, uh, the building is on the local heritage list as well. This plan shows the existing floor plan of the gallery. Uh, this plan shows the proposed floor plan, mainly incorporating the existing floor space uh, and a, an appropriate size additions to the building. The following plans uh, include existing and proposed elevations to the front of the site. So this is the existing. This is the proposed. Uh, side elevations as, as existing. A proposed elevation. To the other side is the existing side elevation and proposed side elevation. This view is of the uh, site demonstrating the view to the south uh, along the, sorry, the north uh, of the footpath to the footpath. This view is of the north uh, of the site leading to Bridge End Gardens. No objections have been raised by the Town Council or neighbouring properties. No objections have been made by the Conservation Officer or Highways Officer. The proposal is considered of an appropriate scheme and in accordance with local and national planning policies. The application is recommended for approval subject to condition. Thank you very much, Chris. We have two speakers, David Ullman and John Reddy. Mr. Ullman, thank you very much. Good afternoon. My name is David Ullman. I'm a trustee and the chairman of the Fry Art Gallery. In my opinion, the gallery is an asset to Saffron Walden and needs to expand to maintain its current momentum. We've been on the site, a gallery has been on the site since 1856, and the gallery now houses a collection of work by artists who have lived and worked in northwest Essex but who have made a national contribution. The gallery as it exists opened to the public in 1987 with the support of Edward Borden. We are a registered charity and an accredited museum, which puts us on the same level as the British Museum, the National Gallery and the V&A, with whom we borrow um, and loan pictures. So that pictures which are held in the National Collection are brought to Saffron Walden. The gallery is owned, run and managed by volunteers from the local community, so we are truly an asset of community value. Last year we welcomed almost 13,000 visitors to the gallery and the principal we have a visitor survey and according to our visitor survey the principal reason for them coming to Saffron Walden is to visit the gallery. And using the Association of Independent Museums uh, formula, that brings about £350,000 worth of business into the local area. We have an education officer, another volunteer, who delivers events for local schools and visitors, both in the gallery and in the schoolroom. 
We have a range of researchers from sixth formers, uh, degree level, PhD level. We also have talks and seminars which are open to the public. We publish books and communicate through newsletters, social media and articles in the national press. We have 1,300 members. In 2015, we were able to buy the freehold of the building. In 2014, we were given a grant by the HLF, which has allowed us to develop the quality of the collection as well as the quantity through a strategic acquisition policy. The gallery receives no funding, so we don't suffer from cutbacks. We rely on our own... um, We rely on ourselves to generate our own income and we maintain a reserve which is equivalent to one year's expenditure so that we are fully financially stable and that's one of the requirements we have from the the Arts Council England which gives us the accreditation. To maintain our accreditation, our borrowing capacity, our ability to obtain grants, we need to maintain the collection to the standards that are the nationally agreed standards. And at the moment, our storage space is bursting at the seams. To maintain our accreditation, our reputation and the quality of the collection, we need to improve the area, volume and standard of our picture store. So we hope to build on our past success over 35 years to provide the best possible legacy for future generations in Saffron Walden and the area. And I would like to introduce John Reddy, who will tell you more detail about the scheme. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr Reddy. Thank you. I'm John Reddy, a retired architect and also a trustee of the gallery. The proposal now before you is the third scheme developed by the Fry for extensions outside the original footprint of the Victorian gallery to create more display, storage and operational space for a growing collection, as well as to eliminate current deficiencies of level access, the lack of fully accessible WC facilities and the contorted secondary fire escape through route through a neighbour's garden. The first scheme in 2017 at basement and ground floor level was relatively expensive and failed to attract heritage lottery funding. The second in 2018 at ground and first floor levels was withdrawn from the planning process after conservation officers from place services in Chelmsford considered that the bulk and material of the roof would harm the conservation area setting. Since then, we have worked extremely hard to develop a single-storey solution that meets the gallery's needs for expanded facilities while minimising the impact on the conservation area, on neighbours and adjacent listed buildings. It is our submission that we have succeeded in meeting these two aims. Internally, the new proposals provide a large archive store with rolling and fixed racks, as well as adjustable shelving that will provide an overall spare capacity of 30% for future growth of the collection. The layout also contains a new gallery, a workroom and general store, a fully accessible WC, and a second level access entrance and fire escape directly linked to the public footpath. Externally, 
traditional materials will complement those of the original building. That is, reclaimed uh, gold bricks, natural slate, leaded hips and flashings. All roofs will be kept below the eaves of the existing main gallery and the secondary entrance stroke fire escape will be located under a pyramidal slate roof and glazed lantern that closely matches the form of the existing entrance. The flat roof over the store and workroom will be concealed from public view by the capping of the retained existing wall adjoining the pathway. As evidenced by the report to the committee, UDC's own conservation officer has judged that the proposals are compatible with the existing building and will contribute positively to the conservation area and its surroundings. It is also her opinion that the scale, design and siting of the proposal will not result in a harmful impact to the historic setting of the neighbourhood-listed buildings. This view has been endorsed by the planning officer, who has also confirmed in his report that the scheme meets all national and relevant local plan policies. No objection has been received from neighbours, apart from concern about disruption during the construction period, and this will be covered under condition by a method statement to be agreed with UDC before commencement on site, and we have already initiated discussion with Saffron Walton Town Council to provide a temporary fence storage compound in the southwest corner of Town Meadow that would alleviate pressures on access from Castle Street. We therefore respectfully ask you to, to support the officer's findings and to grant approval to this application, which is so important for the gallery's future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, the, the only reason why this is here on our list is because I asked for it to be called, and if you were mindful of granting consent, that's what I normally do with these things. And here it is. And actually, I would like to propose that we do grant consent for this because it's a very good application. It addresses all of the issues uh, which concern me, first of all. Uh, the problem is that very often with these things, you get an application which is a monster. Uh, and this is a conservation area. And behind it, there's a Category 1 listed building in the former St. Mary's Church. And this is actually on the view line from Bridge End Gardens, which is uh, an historic garden. So it's lots of room for... Um, damage here. I, I think this is a, a very sensitive application. Uh, I think that the gallery has engaged arguably the best possible surveyor and architect for this. It's the same one as we used when we refurbished the town hall for which I was the lead councillor when that was done and they did a very good job so I have complete confidence in this. I was going to suggest that actually you contact, they contact the um, town council for some storage on the town meadow, but they've already got there already. That's very good. That will alleviate a lot of the problems. I would ask that if we consent this, which I hope we do, that item four of the conditions, uh, which has points A through to F, are uh, certainly embedded and implemented because the impact of this sort of work on what is not just a conservation area, virtually every building in that street is listed. You know. Uh, it really is. Um, I can't think of any that aren't, actually. Uh, and they're very tightly packed, so it's very hard to work on these buildings without uh, causing um, upset, disruption. But I, I, it looks worth doing, and the Fry Gallery is an excellent thing to have, and I fully support it, Madam Chairman. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, without hesitation, I would second Councillor Freeman's recommendation. Um, it is a very, very important part of the Sutton Walden landscape. It is in a deeply conservation area, and so it would need to be very sensitively handled. But uh, I, I couldn't, it's in, in the very best possible hands, so I would definitely second it. Thank you very much. Councillor Lachlan. Just going to say how lucky we are to have such an asset in this district, and I'd have no hesitation in voting for this. Thank you very much. I think we'll take that to a vote then. Um, proposed by Councillor Freeman, seconded by Councillor Fairhurst, and take this to a vote to approve this application. All those in favour? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. That's to approve this application. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, our item 11, UTT 19.1253, full application, Millway Stationery Limited, Chapel Hill, Stansted. Thank um, you, Chair. And it's you again. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you Chris. <laughs> the site includes two commercial buildings located to the north of Chapel Hill in Stansted, Mount Fitchett. Uh, Millway stationery includes warehouse storage and distribution and ancillary retail area. The site is accessed by a driveway uh, from Chapel Hill and shares the access with the Free Church and a number of residential properties and another commercial building. <clears throat> this application is for the proposed change of use of the buildings from storage and distribution and ancillary retail space to vehicle garage for repairing, servicing and MOTing. This photo is from the front of the site uh, at the access point uh, from Chapel Hill. This photo is of the existing access between the buildings at the site, uh, leading to Millway Stationery to the rear. It is appreciated the width of the access is limited. However, the lawful use of the application site is for storage and distribution. These photos are of the existing two, uh, two buildings included in the application. No highways or ecology objections have been made. Three letters of objection have been received. These have been taken into consideration in the committee report. Uh, 33 letters of support have been received. No objection from the Parish Council. No objection from the Council's Environmental Health Officer. Uh, as set out in the committee report, the proposal is considered acceptable and will not result in any significant harm to neighbouring properties or the highway. The application is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you very much, Chris. We have three speakers, I believe. Um, Joe Kavanagh from the Parish Council, and Catherine Dean, and then David Hutley. So, um, Councillor Kavanagh. Okay. Thank you. Right, mine is very brief, because I'm only really going to reiterate what we've already said as a Parish Council. Um, Parish Council strongly supported this application um, because it will bring a new and much needed service to the village. It's in an area that is already used from a commercial perspective. Um, 
The applicant, who's a member of the Stansted Business Forum, I believe, um, was accompanied by the chairman of that forum, um, came and spoke to several members of the council, the council's officers, before he put in his application. Um, we grilled him on access, noise, and everything else possible, um, and we were very positive in, in his responses. Um, so we went ahead and done it. He turned up at the meeting on the 26th of June, basically went through everything again for full council to grill him on the same questions again. Um, there were no major concerns at all. Access probably was the only thing, but that was to do with the length of the lorries or vehicles that he might use, which we've been assured are not going to be those massive ones that you normally see because he has another site which can cater for those. So that's the only real thing that I think we would have been concerned about. Um, that really is it. We really want this because it is much needed service, otherwise we have to drive to other areas to have our cars serviced and I used to drive to Dagenham to have mine done. <laughs> so <laughs> it was an old car. <laughs> it wasn't worthy of the fees. So I just wanted to resubmit that. Okay. okay. Thank you very much, okay. Councillor Kavanagh. Um, Mrs Dean. Catherine Dean? Catherine Dean? Yes. Thank you. Madam Chairman, uh, members of the committee, my name is Catherine Dean. I am talking on behalf of the members of Stansted Free Church, who asked Councillor Dean to call in the application. When Councillor Dean requested the call-in, he declared that he is a member of the Free Church. And I'm going to confine myself to planning issues. Um, just on the point that there were no representations to the Parish Council, the Church was not included in the first round of consultations. We didn't realise there was an application uh, going in at first, and uh, so we weren't able to make any representations to the council. It was only later that the Free Church was consulted. <coughs> the church and the church hall uh, share the access road with the application site. This is a private road off Chapel Hill. It is narrow, most of it being only wide enough, and you saw uh, the uh, two photos, one between the buildings, the other one... Um, which looks wider, and that the church put that in as a passing place. Millway, the previous occupant of the site, had two or three large lorry deliveries a week. These had to back up the access road because no, there was no adequate turning head on the site. This was a very unsatisfactory arrangement, hazardous for pedestrians, and resulted in the church wall being damaged on several occasions. And at the bottom of the road, um, there are gouges in the surface where, um, because of the, there is a dip at the bottom of the road, and a lot of the lorries grounded, and so you have these big gouges in the surface at the bottom. We appreciate, of course, that there is already a commercial operation on that site, but we, we do hope that uh, with this application, these problems that we had will not continue. 
So I ask members to satisfy for yourselves that the proposed parking layout, I don't know whether you have that, Mr Tyler, the parking layout, because I think that is actually quite crucial to this application. Um, The parking layout, which actually is probably achievable, it will be tight, uh, but with manoeuvring, uh, probably possible, but we are concerned that that leaves insufficient room for recovery vehicles and waste disposal lorries to turn on the site. So our concerns are around that turning head and whether there is room for lorries to turn on the site so they do not have to back up the road any longer. If you are minded to approve this application, Condition 3 sets out the hours of operation. We have no problem with these times. However, we request that this condition is extended to prohibit any vehicles, private cars, recovery vehicles or waste disposal lorries accessing the site outside these hours of operation. I'll just add that in the supporting statement, the applicant refers to the location of its existing garage at Thorley Street, which he says shares um, an access with uh, the garage of a residential property. But I would just point out that this site is immediately off the B1383, uh, the main road through Thorley Street, and it has a very large forecourt. Uh, There is a house to the side of it, but the general impression is of space, very much, very unlike this situation, uh, which is, you see, is at the end of a private street and in a much more cramped uh, position. But I'm, I'm very, I'm disappointed. I'm not sure how we're going to see the turning head and satisfy yourselves on that if there is no... Um, I do actually have it on my iPad if you want me to pass it round... Was that permissible? I've got the parking layout on my iPad, which was on the council website. Can I pass that round? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Keaton. And then Councillor Lachlan. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I... Uh, sorry? with uh, oh, we did. Catherine no, Dean. Uh, Councillor Keaton, my, my mistake, we have another speaker. Oh, right. <laughs> sorry. I'm very sorry. It's getting late in the day. I'm terribly sorry. Mr. Hutley. Hello. Uh, well, I, I am the applicant. Um, Firstly, apologies to the church. I've never applied for planning before, so I wasn't aware. It wasn't your fault. No, 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 no. Oh, right, fair enough, fair enough. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't aware. I should have, yeah, I'm not really quite sure of all the protocols, so otherwise I would have come and, uh, yeah, in hindsight, we probably could have avoided it if I'd come and uh, had a word first. But, um, no, the, the main concerns always seem to be the same things, parking, noise, um, uh, tra- and traffic, really. Um, the traffic really, every, everybody we've spoken to seems to uh, agree with my um, approach to it. Millways needed a lot of small spenders to cover their costs. We, we need far less footfall as such to, to, to cover our costs. So that we, we 
uh, I'm estimating, obviously we don't know until the doors are open, but if, if we had f five, five to eight customers a day, we could comfortably cover our costs. Um, Millways were after really, I would imagine that per hour. Um, and having spoken to the lady who ran the Millway site for several years, she, she agreed with me entirely. Um, she had also said to me about the deliveries two or three times a week, blocking up Chapel Hill. I can't control unannounced recoveries. I can't control the AA, the RAC, what they do. What I would say, the time I've been there, I think all year we've had two unannounced recoveries. If we're aware they're coming, we'll divert them to the Thordy branch where we do have the space to take them. Um, the, the local firm that we use for recoveries has both smaller truck options and the larger trucks you're probably more familiar with seeing he categorically cannot get that large truck in that site because where he was called to pick up a forklift from the millway site after it was being auctioned off and he beached himself trying to get in there so he he won't even attempt to come up there he will take whatever he's got with a large truck to the to the other site with regards to the parking um the parking plan I want to say says we can park about 23, 24 cars there. That's at full lift capacity. We're going to open the doors with an MOT bay and four lifts, which is a mirror image of what we've got at the Thorley site. Yes, the buildings, I would estimate, could house up to 12, possibly even 13 lifts. I'm not spending 100, £200,000 on equipment we may possibly never use. Stansley is a very big village, but it is a village, do you know what I mean? So I don't know, I, the costs are going to be very similar to the Thorley site, so, and I know what I can do with the amount of lifts at the Thorley site, so that's what we're going to open the doors with and then build as necessary, basically. Which actually means we've got parking for a lot more than the cars I've allowed for on site. Um, also, when... A, we're at the end of a, a cul-de-sac, so we're not sort of encroaching on anyone else's uh, parking as such. The other unit that's in there has got ample parking for himself. He's actually a very good customer of mine. Um, he's been using me for very many years, so I think if there was one customer either side of the fence, it's not going to suddenly cause lots of complaints. Um, with regards to the turning circle, Millways weren't able to drive inside the buildings. Well, you can back up into the buildings. That's the whole thing. We're opening them up. We can use the whole site. So it's not, um, it's not quite as tight as you're imagining. Plus, bear in mind that probably 99% of the cars on site, I will have the keys in my hand for. So but I don't have to come and grab yourself to come and move your car because you're double parked. I can get a handful of keys and go outside and move five cars and do what we need to do to move them all around. So... Um, I've run many big sites over the years before working for myself. Um, you just you work to the site you're working in. Um, we're obviously not coming in there to try and cause any problems for any of the residents or anything like that. Um, my, my workshop previously to the Thorley site was tucked behind the house um, up at Start Hill in Stalford, uh, Bishop Stalford, if anybody knows it. It, it, I wouldn't say it's firmly residential. It, it is residential. Uh, we were away from the commercial end of it, and you're right under the main flight path. But nine years of being there, and we didn't have a single complaint about vehicles coming, going, this, that, and the other. So um, we're, we're quite 
I, I think we're as considerate as we can be of, an, of, of any sort of residential neighbours. Um, with regards to the restricted hours, um, I, I, I'm a little bit miffed why after the, it, it wasn't mentioned until after the noise assessments were carried out and came back all clear that, that, that we shouldn't really impact anyone being there. Um, Work-wise, I can definitely work within the hours, but just getting cars, as in myself, being there at, say, half an hour, an hour early to get some admin done, things like that. Um, but to just have a bit of wiggle room at the end of the day, I'm not talking hours on end, um, but if somebody's train's late, if we've got a job that we just need 10 more minutes to get finished, um, I don't think it would be particularly unreasonable. But... Um, but the, ab the advertised hours would be the working hours, basically 8 till half 5, Monday to Friday, 8 till 1, Saturdays. I've got two very young kids and I don't plan on... I, I, I want to get out of there like a bullet, trust me. So if we're staying late, it's not by choice. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I, when I'm asking for a bit of wiggle room at the end of the day, half an hour, an hour at the tail end of the day would be all I'd, I'd, I'd hope for, really. I wouldn't expect to be in there at 10 at night swinging a hammer. That's it, really, I think. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, Mr. Hartley. All right, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right, I'll open it up. Who's, sorry, Mr. I was going to say your first name there, Councillor Keaton. <laughs> thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I, I, the point I, was going, is, I am going to make is of clearly this is a, an existing site which has got existing um, planning permissions. It, ha it did have uh, uh, deliveries, it did have customers coming in and out all day long. Um, and to be honest, it, I think uh, uh, Mr. Brown said it's got a B8 kind of planning permission, which actually means it's distribution, haulage and distribution. So the, the kind of vehicle movements that we're talking about for this... Uh, garage proposal uh, could be uh, overshadowed if it turned into a haulage and distribution uh, centre that it's got existing planning permission for. So I, I think it's actually um, a good proposal. It, it will provide uh, a service that has been lacking since the uh, David Nuns on Cambridge Road uh, gave up trading in, in Stansted. Um, I suppose I might peripherally have to declare an interest in the fact that my wife is chair of the parish council. But, uh, uh, and and, and they, they are a, a great supporter of this company um, and uh, see it as a, a, a potential asset to the community. And so I would like to propose that the that we accept the recommendation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councillor Lachlan. No, no, it's okay. No, it's oh, okay. Oh, sorry, I'm on. <laughs> I've got mixed feelings about this. I do welcome it because I live in Stansted. I ought to declare that interest. So I'm very delighted that we're getting a business that uh, hopefully we, we'll all be able to use. But I do have issues 
about Chapel Hill. Since the health centre's uh, been built, the traffic is horrendous down there. We have a, a nightmare roundabout at the bottom. And, uh, well, I don't know, the local member may be able to tell me when the uh, proposed um, a zebra crossing is going to go in because it... Next week, apparently. Oh, well, there you are. So, so it, and I notice that highways have said that there hasn't been an accident in five years. Well, from someone that was hit by a truck on Travel Hill, I can tell you that that is a horrendous road and spent two years having my neck stretched. Didn't make me taller, didn't even do much on my neck. But uh, it, it is a nasty road, and although there may not have been any accidents recorded, um, it doesn't mean to say that there haven't been near misses or accidents that haven't been recorded. So I just want to ask the applicant to be aware of that when he opens it. I'm not going to vote against it. I think it's great. But um, just be aware. And especially the hours are opening because they happen to be rush hour hours and it will be busy on Chapel Hill. And hopefully none of his lorries or anything will go down Grove Hill, which, as we all know, is a nightmare. So that's all I wanted to say. Count Okay. Thank you. So Gerard and then Councillor LeCount. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, I know this site very well. Uh, I used to work in Stansted a couple of years ago, uh, down Silver Street. I know Chapel Hill very, very well. Um, and I know Millways. I used to get my stationery there from, from my company. Um, I've traveled, I've been there many times. Um, I have a few concerns about this and I'll try to explain. Um, Mr. Hutley, I fully hear what you have to say. However, we're here to look at a change of use. And once a change of use has been granted, it is that use. And you may win the lottery next week, and you may sell your company to somebody else, and they may sell it on to QuickFit, and they're dealing, you're dealing with compressed air. Things can change, but, but the site has the use. And we're, if we grant the use, it has that use. And QuickFit may not be as understanding as you, so we have to bear that in mind. Um, I do have concerns about the impact that this has on the surrounding area. It's surrounded by houses, it's surrounded by a church with gardens. Um, I suppose one could try and limit uh, the, the potential noise um, and vibrations that might come from the use of B2. Um, I am concerned about Chapel Hill. I mean, it can be a nightmare for a car, let alone, you know, a recovery vehicle. Um, getting down there, um, different times of the day, parking both sides. Um, then you've got the access itself, which does cause problems. Even when I went to get my stationery up there, it was tricky. Um, and some members here with bigger cars might not even get their cars up there. But um, I have a problem with this. Um, I do want to support... Uh, a lo local economy. I do want, no one likes to see an empty shed. Um, I hear the point about B8, that it could be worse than distribution centre, but I still have a problem with it, so um, I I'm not sure on this one. I I'm, I'm inclined to err uh, on the cautious side, bearing in mind that we're dealing with uh, issues of safety uh, and it is a residential area. 
Most garages are not surrounded by houses. I mean, I take my car to Shire Hill, and that's an industrial estate, and there are other garages that mostly are, have much more open space for turning circles, etc., and noise. So I'm a bit concerned about this one. Councillor LeCount. I'm going to say very little, actually. Um, I'm sorry, Millway's gone, actually, because it's a, it was a great uh, organisation. I'd like to I just ask one question. Is it servicing of cars... Vans, lorries, or is it just cars? Um, Mr. Hutley, would you like to answer that? Cars and average vans, basically. So it would just be the, um, the usual one to put on the back, so it's a, it's a small truck. They just put the car on the back, jack it on, bring it up. I second the motion to approve. Thank you, Madam Chairman. We're faced with two fairly competing issues here. I've heard it said as quiet as a churchyard. That's going to change. I love cars, and I've been around them many years. I've even worked in one of these shops many, many years ago. And uh, the compressed air machines are very, very loud. If you've ever tried to remove an inner tube from a, from a tyre, it's very, very loud. These jacks are very loud. Working on cars is noisy. It's also rather nice, but it's noisy. And this is adjacent to a church. It's in the middle of a tiny little village. It's a difficult thing. I'm inclined to say that there's always a solution somewhere. I'm just not sure where it is at the moment. The working hours would tend to give you some advantage, although I don't know what the, what the frequency of the church is like. Obviously, Sunday's an easy one, but services on Saturday or Friday night, I don't know. Um, I would be a little bit peeved if I went to a church and I was disturbed by the sounds of, of motors and, and, and revving motors. When you try and start a motorcycle, it doesn't work, it does rev. Um, it's a difficult one. I would certainly not um, move away from the limitations on the hours. I'd probably even restrict them more just to make it work. I also don't want to be a business, don't want to put the business out of action. But there may be ways we could perhaps insulate it. Um, you can have sound deadening. I know new um, places like High Shire Hill, they have sound deadening equipment on the walls and things to absorb some of the sound. But unless we can find some way, I would never support having those, those, those drills and machines and things going next to a church. I wouldn't support it entirely. Councillor Caton, you wanted to speak again? I just, just wanted to point out to Councillor Furburn Hurst, sorry, going back a few years there, um, that the, the um, Millway site is not adjacent to the church. In fact, if you look at the, it, it, if you look at, at the diagram, the church is at the bottom. Then we have the hall. Then we have a, a row or, or uh, two rows of garages before the, the site we're looking at is, is there. So it's not, it's not adjacent. And I have to say uh, to Mr... Um, Mr. Do. <laughs> that that the, the, uh, the site is actually adjacent to a 
builder's yard on Chapel Hill and the Peter Kirk, the old Peter Kirk school on the other side. So it isn't surrounded by residential uh, property. It's actually uh, properties which are used during the daytime as this business would be. So I do think that we mustn't over-romanticise the location. Councillor Lachlan, then Sutton, and then Gerard. Well, I've never found that location very romantic. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I've got the giggles now. I forgot what I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Are we allowed to put a weight restriction on that road or is that highways because it's a private road but Chapel Hill obviously isn't so uh, and uh, Mr um, actually said that uh, it would be vans and cars so are we allowed to condition that that they wouldn't be anything like a double decker bus going to be serviced there no, I'm no. getting nods from Maria. No, I don't, think we, I don't think we can no. because we, it's physically impossible to enforce it. To be absolutely wrong, yeah. and and also, yeah, I do think we're overthinking this to some extent. Yeah, this is a garage. We all know what they all are, yeah. and uh, you know this is, and they're never absolutely in absolutely perfect no. positions. And the backdrop to this is B8, and I think if you think about what a B8 could be, storage distribution yes, is going to exactly. be a lot worse than what this could possibly be, and that's a realistic issue. I know you're concentrating about how Millways operated; that obviously had its own traffic flows in its own right, but even that wasn't the worst that this site could actually be. So I think you, you slightly are sort of overthinking this. Hello. I just what, really exactly what, you're, what you've just said, Nigel Brown. I was just about to say that this is, at the end of the day, a <clears throat> a business or a, a you know a warehouse or whatever you like to call it at the end of this lane, and it's going to get somebody working there, and it could be a lot, lot worse. I feel, and also going to Millways, being there an awful lot myself back in the day, it was always very busy. There's always loads of cars. It's always been, you know, you can't guarantee you know, your, your customers, basically. But I think that, yeah, I think we, sh- we are overcomplicating it now. Councillor Gerard. I don't want to labour the point. I just want to, just want to clarify, just for, uh, for Councillor LeCount, what B2 is, OK? It's not a big deal, but it's general industrial. That's the definition. It is general industrial. So it's, it, it is what it is. And I hope Mr Hutley's business is thriving if, if it goes through. But if, it is general industrial, so that, that is what it is. Um, and, but it doesn't include incineration, chemical treatment, or hazardous waste, which is the good news. By that issue, this is... Sorry, I'm dumping in. Um, the proposal is proposed change of use from B1, B8, and ancillary retail space to B2, car garage. And so, therefore, if we didn't put that particular situation in there, that's what we're changing this to. We're not changing it to B2. B2 could be any general industry, as you say. So, therefore, you know, it's a car garage. And so, therefore, okay, so, you know, I don't think we need to condition it because that's what we're changing the use to. But I don't think there's any issues to, to, to replace that to car repair, care, car stroke van repair, or, you know, that's exactly what it is. We have a proposal then. We uh, we had proposed by Councillor. Who proposed? Councillor Caton proposed, and Councillor Lecount 
um, seconded. Therefore, the proposal is to approve this application. So, all those in favour of the proposal, please vote. Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. We've got five more. <laughs> Item 12, UTT 19-1463, full application, land at Robell's Cutler's Green Lane, Thaxted. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you, Jonathan. The slide now on the screen shows the wider location of the site. It's to the west of Thaxted. I re really think that in the light of past appeal decisions you couldn't refuse this on the grounds of sustainability it's it's a, a cycle ride into Thaxted here's the site in a bit more detail uh, Robel's is in the top left hand corner of the screen you'll see that there's ribbon development um, fairly fairly loose development low density facing onto the road Here's the site in a bit more detail. Uh, the red line is the site on the corner there. This is looking around the corner, as it were. You're, there's a, um, a hedge along the front, a stable building that you can see there. That would be demolished, at, as would a garage and a, uh, a dwelling on the site. So the proposal is for a replacement dwelling. This is the corner, as you'll see, there's a, a mature hedge along the frontage with trees. However, uh, this, this shows why officers are on, balanced, uh, on balance coming to a recommendation of refusal. You'll, you'll see the um, building with the red tiled roof and the black um, weatherboarding that is the dwelling which would be replaced that would be demolished uh, you would see um, to the side of the hedge there this is the um, the dwelling that will be replaced one and a half stories uh, relatively modest in size, started off as a garage, extended. It has a lawful use as a dwelling. And uh, this slide here shows in red the buildings to be demolished and the footprint of the, um, of the proposed house. You'll, you'll see um, in the centre of the screen is a square that is the existing dwelling and uh, the proposal is much larger. And this is the side elevation. You may be wondering why I'm presenting the side elevation first. It is considered that this elevation would be visible 
uh, in the gap between the existing built form of robles and the hedge at the front. Here is the uh, front elevation. As you'll see, the architect has created something with a, with a barn-like form, um, but quite considerable glazing. Um, the east elevation that would be seen. Here is the rear elevation. Uh, you can just make out it would have a balcony with extensive views to the rear. There's some concern amongst officers that um, the building would be seen in footpaths to the north. The agent has presented uh, photographs, which I have to say sort of counter that view, but, um, you know, photographs are somewhat different to seeing it for real, as it were. But um, there are footpaths to the north, so it, it could be argued that the rear elevation would be visible from public vantage. Here is the street scene. The proposed dwelling is shown over onto the left-hand side. The trees would, um, to a large extent, I, I suppose it boils down to how well you think the hedge and the trees would screen um, the proposed dwelling. I think it's fair to say the roof would be visible and there would be oblique views, not, not this view on the, on the uh, screen, but there would be oblique views of the eastern elevation. Here's um, more artistic presentations of the dwelling. You'll see the, the bottom image shows that uh, with the hedge and the trees, it, uh, it would be invisible probably, when viewed straight on. But um, could the eastern elevation would be seen when the trees weren't in leaf and uh, possibly some, some sight of the site from footpaths to the north. So on balance, officer's recommendation is refusal. Thank you, Madam Chair. Oops, thank you very much, Jonathan. We have two speakers, um, Councillor Haynes from the Parish Council. I should say first that I'm not actually a councillor, um, but I am um, co-opted onto the planning committee of the Parish Council. Um, I'm, I was the principal author of the um, Thaxted Neighbourhood Plan, and um, as you know, the plan was made in February. Um, it's been adopted by your council as uh, planning policy uh, following a referendum result which uh, showed 96% approval. Um, so as far as we're concerned, um, it is uh, a very significant piece of, uh, or a most significant document uh, to determine planning policy. And my interest is solely to um, ensure or to preserve the integrity of that plan. <coughs> um, if, we, if we look at the plan, I think there are two policies that are particularly relevant. Uh, the first one is LSC4, um, which restricts development in these outlying hamlets um, to extensions, replacements, infill, and the reuse of uh, commercial sites. Um, the applicants here seem to be uh, relying on the replacement angle. Um, so I think that needs a little bit of further scrutiny. Um, policy H7 in your own local plan, <coughs> and um, 
your supplementary planning document does um, imply that there has to be a degree of equivalence, um, that what you need to do is to replace it with something that is going to harmonise with the, uh, the, the local area. And if you look at, we saw that photograph of the surrounding properties, and it does show the difference in scale uh, between this building and what is already there. Um, the applicants have suggested that the increase in footprint is only 19.5%, um, but that's if you take account of all the stabling and the garage, which your um, uh, SPD uh, says that you can't do. Um, the existing footprint is actually 50 square metres. Um, the footprint of the uh, new building is 176 square metres, so the increase is actually about 250%. Um, so on that basis, I think we rule it out from uh, LSC4. Um, turning then to LSC1, which is with regard to Thaxted's rural setting, um, this falls within the area shown on map 7, um, which um, specifically restricts development to agriculture, rural recreation, or affordable or special needs housing, and this doesn't qualify under any of those criteria. Um, the other point that I would like to make is that the, um, the applicant's case, the planning statement, does refer to a series of um, ap planning applications on uh, neighbouring properties. Um, but the point is that every one of those where it says that planning permission has been granted, every one bar two um, were prior to the... Um, uh, the adoption of the neighbourhood plan. There are only two that have, have been subsequent to that. One was an amendment to an existing consented scheme uh, related mostly to a garage, and the other one related to a brownfield site, so on that basis would be permitted under LSC4. Um, <laughs> since, the, uh, since, since the plan was made, um, there have actually been two applications very close uh, one immediately next door bluebell cottage and the other mill hill farm which is just immediately to the north both of which have been refused um, principally on the uh, grounds of scale and design and the impact on the landscape so i think um, if we are looking for consistency uh, this one particularly given its scale um, we would consider to be inappropriate in the context of the neighbourhood plan and we would agree with your officer's report. Uh, the only slight concern is that I don't think we would agree with your officer's comment that this is a sustainable location. It is a mile out of Thaxted. Uh, there is an occasional bus route but Mr Brown has already told us that the occasional bus doesn't actually make a site sustainable. So I think as far as we're concerned, within this relatively unsustainable location, there are restrictions uh, that are imposed by the neighbourhood plan, and we think that this does fail the case. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr Haynes. Um, Karen Westlake? Am I on already? Yes. Hello. Thank you for your time and your consideration. I hope you received the letter that I sent everyone by email at the end of the week, so we'll be referring to some of the images in that. 
Um, Ian and I have lived in the Thaxted area for over 25 years and we've lived in Cutler's Green for 21 of those. We've had our children there, we enjoy a large group of friends and family also living in the area. We both work locally and we're active countryside people, hence the reason we wish to stay in our lovely current location and self-build our forever home. This house is very much for us. I want to reassure you it's not being built for any form of financial gain. Our existing house no longer suits the changing demands of our family. At the moment, our son sleeps downstairs in what was the dining room. Recent ill health of Ian's elderly parents has also very quickly brought home the reality that they may not be able to live in their own home for much longer. And we really like to have the room to be able to move them in for us, rather than have to put them into residential care, which is something they neither want to or can afford to do. We're very careful to choose the highly regarded local architect, Ian Abrahams, to create our design and have made every effort to create a well-designed addition to the village. One of the points raised by the parish council who were very supportive was that, that it is such a good design at the end of a group of really quite urban-style houses that have appeared and been built recently. This was also reinforced by the support letters sent in from the people living closest to us. In fact, the only letter of complaint we received was from the gentleman that's just spoken, um, who lives a nine, ten minute drive away. And I would like to clarify, although he did say he's not a councillor, we have been reassured by the parish council he is not speaking on any authority from them. Okay. Um, your own planning officer, in fact, indicated initial support for this, but that was then overruled. The house has been set back from the road, both to move away from the road noise and also to help the house tuck away from the existing, tuck away behind existing and new planned planting. The natural timber boarding will weather nicely and tone in with the surroundings, and the trees and hedges can continue to offer habitat for wildlife. The natural slate roof blends in really nicely, but it also matches the roofs of Robles and Mill House opposite, which is a very similar scale to our design. Coming from the Debton direction, as shown in the photograph, which was the hedge on the corner, the property is not visible at all as it's screened. Approaching from Thaxted, which is the east side that you were concerned about, the current building, as shown, is visible. However, the proposed will sit further back behind the vegetation, so it should have much less impact than that small existing building. Obviously, any house has some level of impact when you get close to it, hence our choice of materials to minimise this. We've incorporated two roofs with solar panels as well as an air source heat pump, and we hope this will generate most of our electricity and help with sustainability. We'll also provide electric vehicle charging points. With regards to the claim that it's not sustainable, we're actually on a really regular bus route with a bus every 15 minutes, um, which I find a little interesting. Um, planning officers have raised some concerns about the impact of the view from public footpaths and bridleway that run behind us. The main track behind us is actually a private driveway with no public access. And we've shown from our photographs there is no real impact from the footpath and the bridleway that cross this. Officers have also mentioned in the report the impact from the Harkamlo Way. I regularly walk this route. It really surprised me that it's in this report at all. It's a really long way away. I can understand from looking at a map, which I have if anyone wants to see it later, um, that it may seem visible, but it runs several fields away from us, with several hedges much taller than me, and it runs downhill. As you can see on the map, Mill Hill Farmhouse is quite a long way before it, and that's already half a mile away from our house. There's also been concern raised about the impact of our proposal on the village scene. There is no real village scene in Cutler's Green, if any of you have driven through it. Most properties are four bedrooms or larger, with just a small handful of houses that are smaller than this. As you drive through the village, there's a real varied assortment of styles, including a very large six-bedroom house set back from the road, 
several large Potten-style kit houses, an assortment of bland large 70s and 80s-style houses, and then there's Lye Corner House, six houses away from us, which is a very large contemporary design referred to in our letter, again, set well back off the road. The rules regarding the replacement of the footprint of our existing properties and the outbuildings are just guidance, they're not policy, and our application, we feel, does come in line with your own policy H7 with regards to character in the countryside. With regards to the local properties, there are then the group of newest additions to the village scene, which our friend commented on. Unfortunately, the ordnance survey map you have attached to your report um, is from 2016 and only shows one house, which is Jareth, built between ourselves and Corner. There's been a lot more permission given since then, and this stretch of road now consists of four other large properties of various bright colours, as well as the main blue house called Jareth, which is a very substantial five-bedroom twin-depth property, as you can see in our photograph. All of these are significantly taller than Robles and certainly larger in both size and impact. Our house would be pleasant end to the village after the huge impact of this group. I wanted to give you a realistic picture of Cutler's Green, which is really quite different from the image of a quaint village scene containing properties of a modest scale that's mentioned in the report. We are aware that we're right on the outer boundary affected by the neighbourhood plan. However, we are right on that boundary. Our neighbours and ourselves feel that a drive through the village shows that our design would be a really positive rather than negative impact on the village scene. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll open it up to the committee. Councillor Lachlan and then Stora. Thank you. Well, we drove by this this morning. We couldn't find the site, which kind of gives a hint that what is there already is fits in with the surrounding area because we couldn't see it. So we don't know what impact this will have. So I just wondered if perhaps, before going any further, and I mean obviously you'll have to vote on it, if we should have a proper site visit so we can see what yeah, the impact would be on the surrounding area. Yeah. Second that. Yeah, thank you. Councillor Storey, you wanted to say something? Yes, please, Chair, thank you. Uh, Chair, the officers said that they'd reached their recommendation on balance. Sorry, um, sorry. I just since sorry, it's my mistake. I should have just taken a vote on that if it's being offered we've for a proposal. Okay. So we've had a proposal yeah. for a deferral, which we have to seek a seconder and take first. <laughs> yep, I've got a seconder. Sorry, it's, I'm getting it's getting late. My brain's going. Um, <laughs> some would say it's gone a long time ago. Um, because we've had a proposal for a deferral and a seconder, we need to take that first. So perhaps okay. So. Proposal by Councillor Lachlan, sorry, was, could, couldn't remember which way round it was, and seconded by Councillor LeCount. Um, so, a vote for a defer of this application till the November meeting around the time. So, it's for a site visit, for a site visit. Um, all those in favour? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, eleven. Against? One against. Thank you. Uh, okay. oh. Sorry, a long way. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Oh, 
Okay, item uh, 13. Oh, UTT 191869HHF, 33 Station Road, Wendon's Ambo. <laughs> do you want to actually, in seriousness, you do we need a presentation? Do we need a presentation for this? What is it? Just announce it. Just announce it. Thank you, Chair. So, the applications for 33 Station Road for a drop curb. All the details are outlined within the report, recommended for approval. So being proposed by secondly by Council proposed by Council Lemon, secondly by Councillor Fairhurst. All those in favour? It's unanimous. Unanimous. Thank you very much. Yeah, I can't I'd like to say. Anything. Um, UT, item 14, UTT 191870HHF 35 Station Road, Wendon's Ambo. Thank, Thank you, Chair. <laughs> 35 Station Road, Wendon's Ambo. Same scheme as number 33 for a drop curb and hard standing. Exactly the same. All details are outlined with the report. Um, recommended for approval. Right. Can we have Councillor Pavitt proposed? Councillor Gerard seconded. All those in favour of that please. proposal? Thank you very much. God. And we have two chief officers, item 15 and 16, still to go. Sorry. No, that's easy. Eh? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> two chief item 15, chief officers report UTT 192398, TCA land at 2 Barley Hall, cottages, parsonage down. Right, this is, this is an application for a TCA, which is works to a tree or the felling of a tree in this case, in a uh, conservation area, which they need to notify us and we need to make a decision whether it's TPOable. I think the, the, solution, the secret here is to actually look at the photograph of the tree on page 100, sorry? It's rather close, is the issue. Yeah, and I think close. the issue is it's a council house and that particular tree, is, it would cause serious problems. The decision is, first of all, the felling of the tree, and secondly, is that tree worthy of a TPO? It would be not right to TPO a tree that's in that sort of dangerous position. So it's a heavy heart. We have to we, we raise no objection, Chairman. To approve. The, the, the recommendation is to raise no objection. To raise no objection. The tree. It's still the same one. The tree. The tree. Yeah. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right, and to object. Okay. Two objections and one abstention. Thank you. Thank you. We're a body missing. On again. The last Chief Officer's Report, UTT 192451, TCA Land at Council Offices, London Road. Oh, ours. Yeah, ours. Sorry. Yeah, this is an application to fell uh, a mountain ash tree. Um, it's not, a, the, as I say, it's, a, it's the felling of a tree in a conservation area. The decision is whether the tree is of a merit to TPO. It's not. The tree, council's tree officer is saying it's a poor specimen with little vigour. It's a technical term. It literally is a little technical term. It's not worthy of a TPO, so the, the, the resolution is not to raise an objection. Councillor Freeman. Um, yeah. What's this tree done wrong? <laughs> it's, it's, I, I happen to like rowan trees. They're rather beautiful. And that looks like a very typical rowan tree to me, so I don't, don't agree with the officer's opinion uh, that it has been assessed uh, as a relatively poor specimen. That looks like a pretty good specimen to me. It's actually a mountain ash. That's, that's a rowan tree, yes. That's the same thing. Well, it says it's a mountain ash. Is it the same thing? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I've learned something. There you go. <laughs> Councillor Lachlan. I know I'm having a waffle. I, I, I'm not so sure. Looking at this picture, it's right in the middle of where you could actually put a car. And Yes, I'm being cynical. I mean, I'm not a tree expert, obviously, uh, but I do know that it's very difficult to park here. But I wouldn't want to see a tree die just because the car no. could go in there. So uh, I'm... Do we get second opinions on trees? I'm not sure. I don't so think you're I basically, vote for this. The first issue is the reason why the tree comes down is not the issue. The issue is, is the tree TPOable? Our tree, our arboriculturalist... Ben Smeaton is of the view it's not TPOable. If it was, he would TPO it. And so that's as similar as that. So by raising no objection, by raising an objection to it, you, in an intent and purposes, you are asking the tree officer to TPO a tree that he wouldn't TPO because he's not of the opinion. So what you're actually asking for is a second opinion. But if that second opinion comes, we have to do this in a certain we have to do this by a certain period, otherwise the tree can be failed. What, why don't we just put a TPO on it now, Madam No, Chair? you can't just put a TPO on a tree. It's not like refusing a planning permission. No one... We all have our... No, yeah, sorry, I've been quite clear. We have not got the... Ex, there is the expertise is no, no, not in this right. room to actually... Unless one of you... I'll take... Hang on, hang on. Right, I'll take Councillor Fairhurst, Gerard, and then Bagnall. Okay? Madam Chairman, may I propose to raise an objection to removing this tree? Yes, I would like to second the motion to object to the removal of this tree. I'd just like to quote the point two. The reason for seeking its removal is to allow for improved access for delivery vehicles serving the officer's loading bay. Well, why can't we just trim it 
to allow improved access for the loading bay. I can't see a problem with the access to the loading bay, so I second the motion to, to uh, object. I'm kind of worried for the tree on the other side as well now, because that seems to stick out more. Of the um, Councillor Bagnall. So the question being answered by point two, because I was going to ask the question why we're having to knock it down anyway. But yeah. um, I, I don't think we'd approve this if it was outside of the council building, so I don't think we should do it inside exactly. the council Correct. building. I mean, to me, the, this little tree hasn't done anything. It's a poor little okay. tree. Okay. You, first of all, you need to resolve whether you're going to object or not. But it's the, then that the impact of you objecting to it, if you do agree to vote to object to it, in a nutshell, was my problem, not yours. But you've objected to it. But I need to make it quite clear, by objecting to it, you may not have saved the tree. But obviously, because it's ours, that's a message that needs to go back to, to another place. <laughs> if this was Mrs Mopping's doing this and you're objecting to it, then we would have been in a difficult situation. The person could then gone off and felled the tree because the tree is not bearable. But as it's the UDC doing it, it's a slightly different story. We have very limited powers, Chairman. It's nice to be able to exercise them once in a while. Right. Uh, yes, I know, but are we to object to this proposal? Yes. So proposed by Councillor Fairhurst, seconded by Councillor Gerard to object, object? <laughs> to object to this proposal. All those in favour of objecting? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Sorry, this meeting's closed and the next meeting is... It's going to be a lot shorter. Yes, please, <laughs> a lot shorter. It's now seven... It's